Good evening. Welcome to Peoria City Council regular meeting for Tuesday, June 19th. Uh, would you please, <coughs> excuse me, would you please stand, join us in a moment of silence and the Pledge of Allegiance led by Council Member Leone. Thank you very much. With the clerk, please call the roll. Mayor Barrett? Here. Vice Mayor Ames? Here. Councilmember Pearson? Here. Councilmember Evans? <coughs> Present. Councilmember Rivero? Here. Councilmember Carlat? Here. Councilmember Leone? Here. Thank you. This is the final call to submit speaker request forms. The speaker request forms uh, can be found up in the lobby. Fill them out, give, submit them to the city clerk, and we will call upon you at the appropriate time. Uh, we have several presentations tonight to do first, so I ask your indulgence before we get into the heart of the meeting. The first one up is Peoria Legislator Recognitions. Okay, the purpose of these awards is to recognize some of these legislators who were friends of Peoria during the last legislative session. The one thing each of them has in common is they've all supported Peoria legislation in this last uh, session. Moreover, we'd like to show our appreciation for the fact they have always kept their door open to us and have shared a willingness to hear us out and work with us on other issues of importance to the city. There's a lot of flack from city mayors, including me, heaped upon the legislature, but they're not all bad. That's the short version here. So the first one up, I'd like to welcome Senator Frank Antonori, Majority Whip, District 30, Home Cities Vale. His committees are government reform, veterans, military, and government affairs. Frank was the first to sponsor our revenue allocation legislation last year. He has been supportive of this legislation since and other bills Peoria has an interest in throughout the last few legislative sessions. Senator. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Uh, next is Senator Rick Murphy, who's unable to be here tonight. He's out of town. District 9, Home City, Glendale. Oh, I'm sorry. You have, you have two minutes to speak if you want to speak. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I forgot. Well, I just, again, uh, we were in the back talking. Uh, on the floor of the Senate, one of my colleagues who's from Gilbert gets up and talks about how he's from the jewel of the East Valley. And I said, wow. So this is pretty nice up here. Uh, you know, I'm from the far east side of Tucson. I said, this is definitely the jewel of the West Valley, and you guys should kind of steal that moniker. Um, I'm all for supporting municipalities that understand that the road to prosperity is creating opportunity for their citizens. And, and the one thing I liked about what Peoria was doing is they wanted to create opportunity. So economic development is the ultimate opportunity. So anything that would help a municipality uh, with bringing business into the community, creating jobs in the community, and creating the opportunity, particularly for kids that are graduating from high school and college, to stay in that community they grew up in is something that I support, and that's why 
I support what the mayor and the council have been trying to do here, and I look forward to continuing to do that. So thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Next is Senator Rick Murphy. Uh, Mr. Murphy is out of, out of town tonight. He's, he's unable to attend. He's from District 9, home city is Glendale. His committees are appropriations, finance, government reform. He's the vice chairman of health and medical liability reform and judiciary. Rick was our prime sponsor on Joey's Law. He's worked tirelessly to help secure passage of this bill and also has been very helpful to the city on numerous legislative issues. And we're calling people up in alphabetical order so that everybody understands what's going on here. Next is Senator John Nelson, District 12, home city, Litchfield Park. Uh, his committees are health care and medical liability reform, chairman, natural resources and transportation, vice chairman, veterans, military and government affairs. John has been there over the years for Peoria in more ways than we can count. He has supported Peoria legislation for years, and this past year has continued to support and help champion our issues to the legislature. John, would you please come up? Too. Yeah, I remember, uh, I pushed away. Yes, <laughs> you want to get out of the way of the bullet. Uh, Mayor and, and members of council, I thank you very much for this award. You know, having served on a city council, you know, looking at what goes on in this community, you're the closest to the people, you know what's happening, and that's the way good things get done. But on, as I look at that, I also look back and say, you have the great opportunity of working within, as Frank said, the area of bringing jobs to the state, bringing jobs to your city, which then further pushes along the idea, you need good school system to do that. And I know we have somebody here from the school district tonight, who I think by working together, you meet the needs of both your city and the state and the school district, because we need good schools if we're going to attract business to the state because that's the primary thing that they're looking for, and I know that from talking with small businessmen. And the other side is, as we go through all that, is the military. We have a strong military contingent. Peoria has been a strong supporter of Luke. You know, we have about a $10 billion industry in the state that we need to protect, encourage, and, and provide assistance to, to keep that base. So with that, thank you, Mayor. I appreciate it. Next up is Representative David Gowan, District 3, Home City, Sierra Vista. Committees, Government, Chairman, Military Affairs, and Public Safety. Dave was also a strong supporter and advocate for our revenue allocation legislation, among many key players within the Majority Caucus. He's already identified himself as a leader amongst his peers. He has continually shown us support and willingness to listen. Can you hold a smile, huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thanks, guys. I, I appreciate this recognition. These are beautiful, too. Um, I am uh, the chair for Military Affairs Public Safety, and, and with Luke being so close here and, and you guys supporting your airmen as you do, I appreciate that tremendously, and um, it's a pleasure for me to serve in that capacity, serving the, the men and women who actually serve us abroad and protect us, and, and thank you guys for that. And anytime uh, a city, I've been going around with uh, John Shell here. He's been showing me around the valley a little bit and, and how you guys interact 
with your businesses and such. And, and it's a pleasure to see cities interacting with their business in such ways of allowing them to grow, looking at the regulation. You guys want to grow so that your, your populace is better, your citizens flourish. And, and it's great to work with cities like that, and that's what you guys have done. Uh, I'll say politics is relationships. And, and for me, you have a great, great guy right here with the public relations with this, the coming up to the state capitol. And then, of course, you have uh, your lobbyist over here in uh, Nick Simonetta. You have some great guys here, and they help. They help tremendously, and I, and I just want to say kudos to them just as well. And thank you guys again for this. Thank you, sir. Next is Representative Rick Gray, District 9, Home City is Sun City. Committees, Vice Chairman of Commerce, Transportation, Ways and Means. Rick was our prime bill sponsor on this session's revenue allocation legislation. He has shown great tenacity and has been in countless meetings with members, legislative staff, stakeholder, and stakeholders on the legislation. He worked incredibly hard to secure the passage of our bill. We're very grateful for all his efforts on our behalf. Well, first of all, I am going to steal that uh, jewel of the West. And uh, because Peoria, at least this part of it, is in my district. And I think that one, as a, a new legislator, this was my first term. And so I had said before that uh, I'm more of a businessman than a politician. And I said that because, one, I was. But as I've been elected now, I really can't say that completely. But one thing I can say is that politicians should be a, a noble group and a, and a noble profession. And I think with the people that we have here, it's a good example of the type of quality of people that we have at the legislature and then at our city level too. It was an honor for me to not only work with, with John and Nick on this bill, but also to get together with some of the leadership in the city of Peoria before I was elected, just to see what they had done to learn from them and I think that uh, one we have not only a great partnership but I think too kudos goes to um, the the city of Peoria I have not seen too many cities in my first term as a legislator who are really involved in the legislature sadly but uh, the city of Peoria is and I think that that's one of the things that you help provide for the city of Peoria so I appreciate that and thank you very much thank you Next up is Representative Debbie Lesko, the Majority Whip, District 9, Home City, Peoria, Committees, Rules, Ways and Means. Debbie was a tremendous help in the House on Joey's Law this last session. She was incredibly cordial to the Romero family in, in caucus and on the floor. On this and other issues over the past few sessions, Debbie has always answered our phone calls or made herself available to us to discuss our concerns. We are very appreciative of all she has done to be helpful to the City of Peoria. to say thank you so much mayor thank you council um, several of you on the council have reached out to me and I greatly appreciate it and the mayor has reached out to me and wanted to meet and I think it's a really good thing because relationships 
build trust between each other, and, and then we can work better together. And I also want to commend John. He does an excellent job. I also want to say thank you to the citizens that are here because it's very important that you show up at city meetings and even get involved at the state legislative level. I really commend you because not that many citizens get out and get involved, and so thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being involved in your community. Thank you. Next is Representative Phil Lovis, District 4, Home City, Peoria, Committees, Education, Higher Education, Innovation and Reform, and Transportation. Phil's our newest member of the Peoria delegation. He was barely on the job when he made his first appearance to the city council a couple of months ago. Phil has not only kept his door open for us, he has actively sought out our thoughts on bills of importance as they have come before him. We're grateful for his openness and willingness to work with us and look forward to continuing to work with him. Mr. Lovis. say thank you mayor and thank you council members I very much appreciate this award as a Peoria resident um, I value our relationships and I look forward to continuing continuing to work with you to make Peoria the best city in the state to live and work so thank you very much thank you and last is representative Jerry wires district 12 home city Glendale committees he's the chairman of the rules and transportation not only has Jerry supported all our legislation this past session as chair of the House Rules Committee, he has also been very helpful to us at times to help keep certain bills moving for us over the past few sessions. Jerry has continued to be helpful in numerous ways to us over the past few sessions. We're most appreciative of his willingness to help us with our issues. He's also stepping out of the frying pan and into the fire. He's running for mayor of Glendale. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, council members, uh, as he just said, I am running for mayor of Glendale. And uh, I think probably most important to the council, to the mayor, and to the citizens of, of Peoria is a commitment that I want to make to all of you right now that as mayor of Glendale, uh, if I'm so fortunate, uh, that the, the lines of communication have to be open. Uh, anything that happens in Peoria affects Glendale and vice versa and Surprise and Avondale and El Mirage, we're all connected. And, uh, and frequently what I see uh, is a lot of times people seem to forget that. And I think qualifications, uh, having friends, other legislators here that I know that I can go down and talk to about issues so, so important to the city of Glendale and surrounding communities, I think, uh, I think can possibly make me uh, a much better mayor. Uh, obviously, we have an awful lot of problems, and in, in, uh, you know, with problems come challenges, and, and with challenges uh, uh, you have opportunities. So. I'm certainly looking forward to that. Thank you so much for, for, the, for the plaque. I, uh, I'm very honored to, to get that. Uh, I, I would like to say uh, also, uh, I li literally was at the city of Glendale all day today in a council meeting. And from there, I went to another meeting, which is directly across the street. I'm actually, uh, uh, I belong to the Masons across the street. So uh, I'm still part of your community. I, I, I currently, every Sunday, uh, reserve with the Department of Public Safety, so I'm working in Peoria almost every Sunday, uh, also helping your citizens out too. So uh, we're we're one big family. Thank you so much. Thank you. Would you all join us over here for a group photo? 
and then we're going to take a five-minute recess and go up to the lobby, and free BD availability will be up in the lobby. Stand up like <laughs> stand up I thought I was going to look tall for a minute there. <laughs> you guys have a deal. <laughs> yeah, right. Carla, you need to stand on something. There you go. <laughs>
Turn on the microphone. Would the council members please return to the dais? Thank you. The next item on the agenda is a presentation, St. Joseph's Medical Group. Thank you very much, Mayor and uh, Peoria Council. I'm very, very pleased to be here. My name is Suzanne Feaster. I'm Vice President of External Affairs at St. Joseph's Hospital and Medical Center. I have a very brief presentation, but we are bringing jobs to Peoria. Uh, based on what the legislators said. So I wanna talk a little bit about what we have currently as offerings in the city of Peoria, what we are looking at to expand over the next several months, and then from a larger activity, wanna give you just a brief update on what we're planning in the West Valley. So I have just a short slide presentation. If, um, can you see that okay? Oh, you've got it yeah, in front of you, okay, just to make sure. So let me just give a very brief update on who uh, Dignity Health Arizona. It's formerly Catholic Healthcare West, and that is based on the three hospitals, uh, acute care hospitals, Chandler Regional Medical Center, uh, Mercy Gilbert Medical Center, and St. Joseph's Medical Center, Hospital and Medical Center. St. Joseph's is celebrating its 117th year in Arizona. So it was the first hospital in the valley and is our premier flagship hospital. And as you can see, the three hospitals combined represent about 8,300 employees and almost 100, over 193,000 um, emergency department visits and 11,000 babies born annually between the three hospitals. We also are a full continuum of care. So in addition to the three hospitals, we own a health care plan, Mercy Care Plan, which is one of the largest access providing health plans in partnership with another organization, Carondelet uh, Health Plan, or Carondelet Hospitals in Tucson. Our acute care facilities, we also operate several urgent care facilities in the East Valley, outpatient facilities, which I'll talk about just in a minute. We have basic and clinical research primarily through the Barrow Neurological Institute, which is our neuroscience department at St. Joseph's and is world renowned, I'm proud of that. We are opening our Creighton uh, University's uh, regional campus medical school next week. 42 students from Creighton, Omaha. Uh, Creighton is the westernmost Catholic medical school in the country, hard to believe Omaha is a westernmost <laughs> uh, there are none in California, hard to believe. But, and we are the largest uh, Catholic teaching hospital. Uh, St. Joseph's has been for all these years. So we are going to be teaching their third and fourth year medical students uh, starting next week. So we're very proud of that. And then a variety of joint ventures. In Peoria, I am proud to say our first open has been the Peoria North Primary Care Clinic. And you have a fact sheet about that for you. And we made some additional fact sheets available for the residents. I'll talk about that in just a moment, but that's been open since about October of this past year. In August, we hope to open the Peoria Orthopedic Clinic. That will be over by the Arizona Broadway Theater near the, I'll get it right, all in the, um, all in the game location. Sorry, I wanted to be right. There will be three exam rooms, and that will have a priority on sports medicine. And uh, through our one of our uh, primary physicians, Dr. Dana Seltzer, we also hope in September or October of this year to open a new primary care clinic 
The current Peoria North Clinic has five primary care physicians and one physician's assistant and a team of staff to support that. The new primary care clinic will have 10 primary care physicians. So we are expanding both, think of these as two small businesses. They are all employed physicians by the St. Joseph's Medical Group. We also have, uh, in partnership with what's called United Surgical Partners, there's an outpatient surgery center uh, uh, of Peoria. It is on 94th Drive and Thunderbird. And then we also partner with Simon Med for outpatient imaging. And there are two, one on Thunderbird Road, as you can see, and one, uh, well, both of them actually on Thunderbird. And these are outpatient imaging that Dignity Health owns the majority ownership of these outpatient services. The Peoria North Clinic is something we're very proud of. It's, it, it's an expansion of our family medicine. It has after hours care and on Saturdays, and it really provides a medical home for patients. So if you have family members or if your community is looking for a new primary care physician, I would encourage you to try this out because it really, we've got some superb physicians in this clinic, and it really provides wraparound services and additional services in a variety of ways. We also are going to rotate some of our specialists. We have about 200 employed physicians at St. Joseph's Hospital, and the majority of them are in their specialty clinics. So they will be rotating through this clinic and through the other one as well. So you will have more access, closer access, to high-quality health care in Peoria for your residents. We've done several outreach events. Some of you have probably seen these. Um, uh, the, we did our original open house in October. We've done a, a series of stroke checks. We had 72 people participate in the one in January, 50 in March, and we're planning some additional ones at Rio Vista in May, or participating events May 5th, and or did May 5th and June 16th. We are doing a large heart check event on July 24th at the Peoria North, working with your Peoria Fire Department. We're very, very pleased to have that collaboration. And then we will be participating with the City of Peoria, the Safety Fair on October 6th. So we are trying to get more involved with the community, provide additional services, and be that extra resource for you at, uh, in Peoria. There are some other Dignity Health facilities. We have a partnership with Phoenix Children's Hospital. So we partner with the urgent care that is in, on, in Glendale. The, also the Minute Clinics, we have a partnership. We take collaboration very seriously, you can tell this, uh, and have a wide variety of partnerships with different organizations, really in many ways to try and make sure that people don't go to the emergency room as their first choice but look at other lesser cost activities to take advantage of that. So again, uh, and a variety of Simon Med facilities uh, throughout the West Valley. We also announced a few weeks ago another hospital. It is located in Glendale, I'm sorry, uh, but uh, that location that we found uh, worked well for us. In, but the question may be why, and why is there a need for another hospital in the West Valley? And I think you can probably answer that best of all as being local elected officials, is that this area continues to grow even with the economic downturn that we've had, we're already seeing that start to tick back up. And we believe the West Valley is a very critical place for us to be to expand the outreach uh, for Dignity Health. 
this is a, a just a schematic of it. It's if you think about it, it's across the street uh, from the and Kitty Corner to the Tanger Outlet Mall and to the uh, Cardinal Stadium to the University of Phoenix Stadium on the west side of the 101 and between Northern and Glendale. So that's where, and it's a 35 acre site. In looking at this, we will probably invest about $44 million, hire 200 employees to start with. It will start out as a small facility, 24 bays for our emergency department as well as 24 inpatient beds, two operating rooms. But this campus is designed to grow and can grow over time up to a 200 bed hospital, which is the size, just to put it in perspective, of Arrowhead Hospital now. And it will have a great deal of innovation. This will be one of the most energy efficient buildings. We were able to do a design competition for this small unit, asking for some of the best technology and innovation in healthcare. And we've been able to leverage that as we're finalizing the designs. So we, there'll be meeting space here for community um, members to participate, but there will be a very strong feeling and healing environment in this. That is something all of our Dignity Health Hospitals have, have really looked at and helped built upon, is really that environment of space for care, for spiritual needs, and for really the high quality care that West Valley residents deserve. We will also be collaborating on the medical campus probably a medical office building for physicians, so additional uh, high-rise or a mid-rise uh, for physician offices. We'll probably have a Simon Med imaging and likely the outpatient surgery center and expand our collaboration with Phoenix Children's Hospital. So bringing additional services to the West Valley. I have a, just a website here, growdignityhealth.org, and uh, we'll be, uh, if we can, come back maybe once in six or eight months to give an update on where we are with the opening of the various Peoria facilities as well as our move into construction for the West Valley Hospital. So there's a picture, a rendering of the new hospital, and I'd be glad to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Questions? Thank you. Okay. Appreciate thanks. your time. Next up are two uh, presentations, the Certificates of Election to the uh, Public Safety Retirement System, local fire and police board members, and also Certificates of Appointments to Boards and Commissions. Um, Mr. Pearson, will you join me? Thank you, Mayor. First of all, we have uh, awards, uh, plaques for uh, two groups, the Public Safety Personnel Retirement Board and also for new members to uh, our boards and commissions. Just a word that I know uh, is echoed by many on the, or everyone on the council, the mayor included is saying that we appreciate all the time and effort that you're about to put in uh, for these these volunteer positions, and it is, it is warming to our hearts to know that we have so many neighbors who care about Peoria, so thank you ahead of time so much. The following people are um, on the Public Safety Personnel Retirement Board. Uh, it would be Stephen Hadley of, uh, for Public Safety 
uh, police and fire. Boards and Commission members, uh, would Richard Ward come up, please? He's appointed to Parks and Recreation Board. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we have three members of the Youth Advisory Board, and I'll probably butcher their names, especially our first one, Usama Amahad, for our Youth Advisory Board. Was I close? Yeah, Amjit. Amjit. Oh. Congratulations. Thank you. Kylie Perkins, Youth Advisory Board. Aria Reams, Youth Advisory Board. Just once again, on behalf of the mayor and the city council, uh, thank you so much for your volunteerism. Thank you, and I thank the audience for your patience. We'll now actually begin to do some work. First item up is the consent agenda. The consent agenda are all items that are listed with a C. They're considered to be routine or they've been previously discussed by the city council. <clears throat> Excuse me. They will be enacted by one motion unless someone asks for an item to be removed. Do we have any requests? Mr. Mayor. Mr. Pearson. I'd like to remove items 3C, 6C, 7C, and 18C Okay. the consent agenda. Any other requests? Seeing none, could I have a motion? So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded to uh, approve the consent agenda with the items of 3C, 6C, 7C, and 18C. Please vote. Clerk will record the vote. It is unanimous. Thank you very much. Mr. Pearson, 3C. Contract, Greater Phoenix Economic Council, Economic Development Activities. Uh, yes, Scott White, our Economic Development Services Director, can give a brief overview of this item. Great, thank you. Uh, the City of Peoria has been a member of the Greater Phoenix Economic Council, or GPEC, organization since 1991. GPEC is a public-private partnership to promote regional, uh, national, and global uh, economic development in the, in the Valley, uh, the Phoenix metro area. G GPEC provides a number of services uh, in terms of business attraction, marketing, image building, and legislative advocacy. Um, GPEC has also been an active participant in several uh, recent uh, Peoria economic development activities, such as uh, participating in the development of our economic development implementation strategy, participating in council study session discussions on the city uh, medical device incubator, 
certainly participating in the development of the Estancia Megasite Targeted Industry Attraction Strategy, um, assisting the city in marketing the Vistancia Megasite and proposed Rovi Industrial Park in southern Peoria, uh, as well as participating in reuse analysis for the Peoria Place property in uh, southern Peoria. Uh, the uh, contract before you is to extend those services for an uh, additional uh, fiscal year uh, so that we can uh, uh, take advantage of the direct and indirect benefits uh, that GPAC provides uh, as part of economic development. That concludes my report. Uh, try to answer any questions you might have. Questions? Pearson? Thank you, Mayor. I, I don't question the value of GPAC for literally decade, several decades we've been a member of, of the uh, GPEC and it's, it's paid off well for us. I, I did have a question about the numbers in this uh, and I'm speaking specifically about the cost um, and um, perhaps it's just a wording issue. Uh, in it, it mentions that we budgeted in the FY13 for 60700 but all of a sudden we need another 9000 from our cash reserves to pay it. So um, a little confused whether that is the new, t new sum or uh, we budgeted, uh, we didn't budget enough, so. I'll go ahead and answer that for you, Councilmember Pearson. Um, I apologize, I do think that that was a, um, the wrong number that was in the, identified in the CC. We currently, for the fiscal year approved budget for fiscal year 13, was $51,600. The contract amount is $60,700, so we need to make that additional um, appropriation and ensure that we have, we, you know, we can fully uh, fund that contract in fiscal year 13. And I assume the reason for that is that during our budget discussions a few months ago, we had one figure, 51000 and then recently realized that it was going to be, or had found out that it was going to be a little bit more expensive. Yes, that is true. Unfortunately, between the time when we prepare the budgets and the time when uh, the new fiscal year starts, occasionally there are some items that um, come in that are higher than we anticipated when we were preparing the budget. Okay. Thank you very much. That explains it. Other questions? Could I have a motion on C3, Contract Greater Phoenix Economic Council Economic Development Activities? Moved by Ms. Carlett, seconded by Ms. Evans. Please vote. The clerk will record the vote. It is unanimous. Thank you very much. Next is 6C. I'm going to announce both 6C and 7C. I assume they're, they're tied together. 6C is Improvement Agreement, Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, 20-year extension of the Peoria Sports Complex. And 7C is Use Agreement, uh, Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, 20-year extension of Peoria Sports Complex. Yes, Mayor and Council, uh, Jeff Tyne, our uh, Interim Community Services Director, will speak to this issue. Great. Uh, thank you, uh, Mayor and Council. Over the last several months, the city has engaged in discussions uh, regarding a long-term agreement with both the San Diego Padres and the Seattle Mariners uh, for use at the Peoria Sports Complex. Working with the City Council, the city's negotiating team also collaborated with the teams as well as with the Arizona Sports and Tourism Authority to uh, craft an agreement that ensures Cactus League baseball through 2034 in the city of Peoria. Uh, so in doing so, there's a series of formal council actions that are required to undertake the proposed arrangement. They included on the May 15th uh, council meeting a memorandum of understanding that was a non-binding memorandum uh, that really outlined all of the major financial and uh, construction terms. Also included were a series of items related to the construction contract uh, for clubhouse facilities and stadium improvements. Uh, for tonight, as you see on the agenda, uh, for the June 19th meeting, we have three items. 
the first being what's termed an improvement agreement, which includes uh, items regarding the construction and financing uh, for uh, the items included in the contract. Also, there is a use agreement outlining the lease obligations, and lastly, a bond resolution which authorizes the sale of bonds and the development of a municipal development authority uh, to finance the sale for these improvements. Um, so just to break out for the first item under 6C, the improvement agreement, the major terms that you will see in there is it outlines that this is indeed a 20-year term, talks about the project financing as we had discussed in the MOU, uh, that was originally crafted of a $36 million investment by the city in the first phase and then $12 million subsequent to that, uh, which would largely be reimbursed by the uh, Sports and Tourism Authority. In addition, the city would be responsible for the design and the construction of clubhouse facilities and stadium improvements. Uh, the city's amount that they are dedicating toward this, however, will be capped until such time that there is a guaranteed maximum price that is established. So. Uh, really, the city has reduced its risk for any overages to the amount that we're talking about in the financing. Uh, also, in addition, uh, the teams will forego being paid uh, lease payments in the time that we're doing the construction, but they will assume the cost for relocation in that period of time. Uh, that was listed out in the improvements agreement. Uh, as we had talked about for the use agreement, the subsequent item on consent, we have the 20-year term outlines a little bit more of what's included in that, including uh, that there would be a continued year-round presence and spring training that is included. Also, that there would be two two-year renewal options that the team would be able to exercise. Uh, as we talked about before, the opt-out clauses uh, that are included in the contract include some significant penalties should the teams want to opt out early from the contract. Uh, also, the discussion on spring training revenues and uh, responsibilities, the revenue splits that uh, currently exist between the city and the teams remains largely intact for such areas as tickets, concessions, novelties, and the like. Pricing would largely be assumed by the teams, but there's a series of checks and thresholds that would be in place to ensure that uh, they remain competitive in the Cactus League. And also there's discussions related to resident discounts, promotional activities, and the number of games, which actually the guaranteed number of games increases from 14 to 15. Now, lastly, the field and facility maintenance at the complex will again continue to be largely operated by the city, the one exception being within the clubhouse itself that the teams would undertake. Uh, with that, I'll address any other questions that we have related to these items. Okay, questions on 6C and 7C, we will vote upon them separately. Mr. Pearson. Mr. Mayor, thank you, Mr. Tyne, for your presentation. Was there one thing, maybe I missed this, we have the, uh, the city has the option of, a, of adding a 50 cent uh, surcharge on tickets to help pay for the uh, any any repairs and renovation. That's something new. Councilmember, that, that is correct. The, the city does have the option to impose an additional 50 cent surcharge on each ticket. One of the, uh, the main thoughts behind that is that as we go forward with the additional 20 years, this will be a much more aged facility and there will be a need for renovation and replacement of key equipment. And to ensure that that was the case, it was important both amongst the teams and the city to that we would have a funding mechanism to deal with that. And that 50 cents would be deposited solely for that purpose, for renovation and replacement of that facility. Thank you very much. 
Not a question, but just a comment. I wanted to congratulate uh, again all the members of the staff that are involved, Mr. Time, Mr. Kalkovicia, Mr. Granger, Ms., uh, Mr. Mattingly, Mr. Berg, and I'm sure I've left out a lot of other people who have been involved in the discussions, uh, uh, including our deputy city manager and city manager, all of them involved in crafting another tw a 20-year agreement with uh, a major uh, multi-million dollar, two multi-million dollar corporations that, that come to, to town every year. And um, not only do I appreciate the time and effort they put in, but the product was outstanding. The city is protected. There's a safety net. One of the reasons I brought up the 50 cents uh, ticket surcharge is that's a safety net for the city to help in uh, uh, developing, as, as Mr. Tyne said, an aging facility. An aging, but but very glorious facility. So uh, with that, Mayor, uh, if oh, wait, you wait, wait. Just, I'll come right back to you. Uh, any other questions or comments on 6 and 7C? Okay, 6C, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Move to approve. Okay, moved by Mr. Pearson, seconded by Ms. Evans. This is 6C, Improvement Agreement, Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, 20-year extension of Peoria Sports Complex. Please vote, the clerk will record the vote. It is unanimous, thank you. Next up is 7C. Could I have a motion? Move to approve. Second. Moved by Mr. Pearson, seconded by Ms. Evans. This is 7C, use agreement, Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, 20-year extension of Peoria Sports Complex. Please vote, the clerk will, will record the vote. Thank you very much. Next item is 18C. Uh, amended uh, Memoranda of Understanding, American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, AFSCME, United Phoenix Firefighters Association, PFFA, and Peoria Police Officers Association, PPOA. Yes, uh, Mayor Barrett and Council Members, uh, Claudia Lujan, Interim Human Resources Director, will introduce this subject. Thank you, Mayor, Council Member Pearson. The item before you this evening is requesting approval to amend the memorandum of understanding between the city and the affected employee organizations. Staff is recommending that for fiscal year 13, the negotiated merit step increase be distributed on the first full pay period in July as opposed to on their anniversary date. This is a one-time distribution in recognition of the collaborative efforts between uh, the uh, bargaining units and the city. With that, I'll entertain any questions. Thanks very much. Questions, Mr. Pearson? Yes, and well, whether Ms. Lujan or, or Ms. Gregory can answer this or someone else, um, just jump in. What is, what is the history of this? You know, I, I, we, we approved a budget not long ago with 5% increases, which I approved and I thought was appropriate. And so we thought that negotiations were done. How did we get to where we are now with this particular CC? Uh, we are in keeping with the MOU. The only change is in the timing of the distribution. That rather than distributing the merit increase on the employee's evaluation anniversary date, we are recommending that we distribute it now, uh, the first full pay period in July. Uh, this comes as a result of the unions uh, being in dialogue and in agreement with us through the economic downturn uh, last time around for them to forego their increase. But, go ahead. Uh, Mayor, Council, let me perhaps address this. Um, as you're aware, we have MOUs 
with uh, each of our bargaining entities, in this case P PPOA, Peoria Police Officers Association, PFFA, Peoria Firefighters Association, and AFSME. And uh, earlier this year, we did receive requests from both PFFA and AFSME to reopen their agreements, which the city uh, did reject. One of the things that the city has traditionally tried to do as a matter of policy has tried to be to handle all of the groups very similar. Uh, this issue did come up also uh, in discussions with AFSME uh, whether the adjustments could be done uh, in July versus uh, anniversary date. Because that is something that's governed by the ordinance, it does take an MOU amendment, uh, which is why it's here. Assuming that you do it for ASME, it would be consistent with council past practice that we do it for all three of the groups that would be eligible for this. And so that's essentially uh, the answer to your question, how, how did we get here? Okay, and, and I assume it also includes non-represented? Uh, Councilman Pierce, members of the council, yes. The tradition, the policy that the council has had, um, certainly since I've been here, has been that uh, the non-represented uh, are treated essentially the same as AFSCME. So this would be consistent with that and treat the non-represented the same way. What is, the, Mr. Mayor, may I continue? What is the value of the 5% raise without, um, if it was distributed in the normal manner, without uh, not not on July one, but at anniversary dates, the value of the five percent may raise um, what the budgeted amount that we generally were, are talking about when we look at that is about a little over two two seven two eight um, two point eight million. The um, value of the amount that we would be foregoing in savings would be about one point four million because we would anticipate with a um, varied disbursement, doing it on anniversary date, that at the end of the fiscal year, we would identify a certain amount of savings from that in our salary line items. By not doing those disbursements over a, over a period of time and doing them all on the front end, it's about a $1.4 million difference. It's a salary savings that we won't, for, won't have. And that's all funds, yeah, yeah. thank you. Now, now his, historically, we hand out, uh, we award uh, increases, merit increases, based on an anniversary date when the person was hired. Is that correct? That's been the historic way we've done this? Y yes, uh, Councilmember Pearson, that's correct. Is that how most cities do this? Uh, we find that there are a variety of methods that are used, um, but that has been how we've done it here. Yeah, I, I can comment on that. It's, it's fairly common, uh, although um, in certain circumstances it varies, Councilmember Pearson. Um, where you might have um, extraordinary circumstances such as we have been through um, over the past few years where there have been no increases uh, for four plus years for a number of our employees. Uh, we felt that uh, in recognition of that, as uh, Ms. Lujan had mentioned, um, it was reasonable to uh, break with that tradition here and provide the increases across uh, the employee population uh, July 1. But well, we did give a one-time Stipend last year, correct, or this current year? Uh, to some of the uh, public safety bargaining units, not to uh, the non-represented employees. How do, what was the, the rationale for paying or increasing, making increases on an, 
an anniversary date. For me, it seemed like it was a reward for seniority, but. If I may, Councilmember Pearson, that's tied to a merit, and the merit is achieving acceptable performance for your year. Uh, it's, um, it's more tied to merit. It's not a step or an increase to seniority in, in our nomenclature. And so what's being proposed now is that we, for one year, put off the, the, the year merit uh, or, or waiting for your anniversary date for your merit pay and getting it on July 1. If I may, to be eligible, that's why we're very careful to say that for eligible employees, they have to have satisfactory performance in order to be distributed the, the monies on their full, first full pay period in July. And that needs to be in the system. If that is not in place, then they would not be eligible at that time. They would wait till their anniversary date. Okay, so if we have a new employee, for instance, who's only been on board for a month? Correct. They, they would be eligible when they finish their probationary period and meet satisfactory performance. And their probationary period is three 12 months? months? Twelve months. Okay, so they would have to wait. Yes, sir. Correct. Okay. Um, I've, I've heard some say that this is a good thing for, for employees, and I absolutely agree. I mean, who wouldn't want to get uh, their pay starting day one as opposed on their anniversary day? My concern about this is not that our employees don't deserve salary increases. I certainly voted for a 5% increase, uh, which uh, was a total of $2.8 million approximately. My concern is, is the way this occurred. We had already approved a budget. Uh, we uh, then received an, a request to open up the negotiations far after the budget had been approved uh, and negotiated. And it seemed to me that it was a little bit late in the process and that it was setting a, a bad precedent for future negotiations. Uh, after all, um, I think that if I were negotiating next year, I'd be asking for the very same thing, to have my salary start, my salary increase start on July 1 and not wait for anniversary date. I think this is a bad precedent to start for negotiations. Uh, so it's, it's a little late in the game, sets so a bad precedent. I'm a little concerned how it affects seniority. Uh, I've always been a, a believer that seniority is important, and I've been around this, this city on and off for 20 years, and I've noticed uh, uh, it's not surprisingly that the, the longer somebody works, the more valuable they, they seem to be. They, they have more knowledge and, and uh, they uh, understand their job better. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm afraid that sometime that this may lead us to uh, a, oh, uh, a lessening of the value of seniority. I think that's important to keep, so I'm a little concerned about that. I think that the anniversary date um, for increases in merit pay is, is, is historically been uh, excellent for our city and I would like to keep that. Uh, and, and then there's the, the aspect of, of that although our employees have not had step increases for a number of years, our taxpayers have had problems as well. I've got many uh, taxpayers in my district who are on fixed incomes and they're not getting uh, an increase. And yet here we are not only giving the equivalent of $2.8 million in increases, but then by virtue of starting the payment on July 1, we're adding another $1.4 million. 
So it's a 50% increase on what was negotiated uh, in total dollars um, uh, with the unions uh, in previous years. So I'm a little concerned uh, that we're not only setting a precedent for negotiations, but we're, we're sending a wrong message to our residents who still are not getting pension increases, who are, who are finding that they're, uh, not finding, they've they found that their uh, savings rates are, are almost nothing, and we've, we've raised their water rates, their sewer rates, and yet here we, f we feel as a way to reward our employees, we're gonna give them the equivalent of $1.4 million. Uh, so I feel uncomfortable in supporting this, and for that reason, I will vote no, but I wanna make it clear I think we have great employees. I know that we have competitive salaries with surrounding communities. I just believe the addition of $1.4 million as a token of our esteem, a gift, if you will, is, ex is excessive considering the state of the economy uh, and the state of many of my residents' uh, pocketbooks. Thank okay. you. I, I, I need a point of clarification on the what he is claiming to be an additional $1.4 million. My understanding is that's not correct. The budget as approved by council included the um, full amount needed for salary adjustments for the full year. The 1.4 that, that council member Pearson is referring to is what we would expect in salary savings over the course of the year, assuming we do an anniversary date implementation. By doing a early implementation, we wouldn't expect that same level of salary savings um, across all funds um, for the year. So it's, it's budgeted. It's, it, it just it relates to available one-time funding for fiscal year 14. Okay, so regardless of, of when that money is allotted, the total is still 2.8, not 2.8 plus 1.4. That is correct. That's very misleading. Mr. Mayor. Ms. Ms. Carlett's next. I'll come back to you. I would also like to make one other point of clarification. We did not raise sewer and water rates for all of our citizens, and so they, they are also not being you know, punished uh, in that manner. Uh, but I would also like to say, if, if you want to talk about setting a precedent here, I think two years ago when, when the associations had the opportunity and by contract were able to open up their uh, agreements and look to the city at that point for salary increases. It was a salary opener at that time. They set a precedent by saying, the economy's bad, we trust you, the city of Peoria, we are not gonna take a raise right now. We are not gonna ask for our increase even though it is contractually due to us. And so they put themselves out there by trusting the, the leaders of the city and, um, and we appreciate that. We appreciated it then very much with the economy as bad as it was and their families had to suffer. They're, they are you know, citizens of, of our city also and they had to do without their increase during tough economic times. And now things are getting a little bit better and we're able to afford a little bit more, just a little bit, uh, without making anybody else suffer or be punished or do any kind of damage to our citizens. And we are able to um, now make things right again. So I think that uh, the relationship that we have, city and the associations, is a strong one. And I think it's important that we take the opportunity to, to bring them back, or at least in a small way, try to make whole uh, you know, what they suffered when they could have had an increase that would have 
you know, made the rest of us suffer at the same time. You know, we would have had to cut services possibly by giving those increases two or three years ago. So we didn't have to do that. And um, I think, you know, for that reason, this is, a, this is a very good compromise and we appreciate what they did for us during that time. So I will be voting yes. Mr. Pearson and Mr. Ernie. Thank you, Mayor. Regarding the $1.4 million, uh, without starting payment on July 1, the city would realize approximately $1.4 million at the end of the year that wasn't spent. Is that correct? That is correct. It would okay. be available as one-time funding for future things in the, the following fiscal year. You could, you could uh, fix roads. You could uh, fix playground equipment. You could spend money on, on our residents, correct? Yes. On different we, things. So we'd have $1.4 million. Instead, what we're saying is the way that we budget right now is that we assume we budget for an entire year's salary knowing that we're only going to pay portion of that because we give salary increases on anniversary dates. Except what's proposed for today is, or for next year, is that instead of waiting for the anniversary date to pay our employees, to give them their merit increases, and having, we will use that savings that normally ends up at the end of the year for one-time expenditures, we're going to use that savings to pay our employees. And so in effect, they will receive $1.4 million total more than they had expected. And that's, that's how you can say that they, we have actually increased uh, their take-home pay, if you will, by, or, or their entire pay by $1.4 million. And I think that's a fair, fair argument. And one other thing, we did raise water and sewer rates. It's just that we did not raise the total utility bill. We kept that at zero. Uh, so, for all those reasons, great employees, uh, we certainly uh, want to keep them competitive, and we, we have, whether we give them this gift of $1.4 million or not, uh, it is, uh, we still have competitive wages and great employees, but we still have the problem that, that my, my constituents, constituents all over the city, are not getting that raise. And I think it, it's, 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 um, perhaps unseemly that we give this gift, even though that they have made sacrifices, they being the employees, uh, our, our constituents, our voters, continue to make sacrifices. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Ames. Yeah, this is uh, addressed at our attorney. Uh, there was a concern that this would be a precedent, but this is going to be st legally stated that this is an exception and is not a precedent, right, and uh, cannot be used in the future as a as a reason. Uh, Vice Mayor, absolutely. This, uh, th there's not a precedent here. It's going to be the city's position, unless council directs otherwise, that uh, certainly in the upcoming negotiations, the intent would be to go back to uh, a anniversary date uh, framework. Uh, I think this is clearly the instruction that we have from you was this was to be a one-time. It's referred to in the agreements as a one-time. And certainly, uh, unless council directs otherwise, it's going to be a staff's position in any upcoming negotiations that this was just something unique to the fiscal uh, 13 year. And then in essence, uh, the, the gap would be extended before they got the next time, right, uh, from this earlier payment. Conceivably, yeah. if you went back to an anniversary day, a person could go much longer. And I would also like to add, um, following up on Vice Mayor Ames' comment, of course, when the council goes into 
um, contract negotiations with uh, four uh, bargaining units next year. We'll go through an interest identification process and the council will be able to reiterate um, your interests as we begin that negotiating process. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Ms. Evans? Okay, give you a second. Um, from looking at the paperwork, um, the AFSCME and PPOA were the two that submitted a desire to have it open again, is that correct? No, Councilwoman Evans, it was uh, PPOA and PFFA and COPS that wanted to have it reopened. Oh, okay, they not were, ask me. Okay, no. so those were the three that asked for it to be open. And when they asked for it to be opened, what they asked for uh, was for us to add the steps in, am I correct? They wanted us to uh, consider a COLA. A COLA. In, in addition to what we had uh, agreed to in our last MOU. And did it have anything to do with starting on an anniversary date at all? Had that Was that mentioned in their information? No, that was not. And so where did we come up with um, anniversary date? All of a sudden, this was not even requested or asked for. Everyone was content with what was going on and what we voted on. Actually, that came up at a labor management meeting with AFSCME. I'm sorry, I was reflecting on the formal uh, request for reopeners that we received. It was a verbal request at a labor management meeting with AFSCME for us to consider uh, distributing the merit in July in recognition of them foregoing the increase last time around. Uh, we thought about it. We thought it was a good recommendation to make, and hence, here we are today. So... So this just came up in a meeting, and, and then we decided to roll it over and have this be a... I, I really, I like how well we handle our labor relations. I think we do a good job of going to the table, and, and we, we go to the ask. What is your ask? What is our ask? How are we going to come together? I totally appreciate um, our employees and, and what we do there. What confuses me is that we did have some people come back and think well maybe we can open this up again and then what being opened that wasn't we didn't even do what the three groups had asked what instead we did was what another group had just talked about in a meeting I wow it just seems like it's we're we're off doing wise things I think it's wise to have a real clear-cut plan for how we do things and once we've closed the books on that let's just close the books and, and go to the next year and and see what the things happen that way I this process has baffled me to tell you the truth councilmember Evans I can appreciate how it looks confusing uh, it I, I think is an example of how we have a collaborative relationship with AFSCME we do have regular uh, labor management meetings with them and um, that's why we did not have a formal document and we requested the reopener as you have before you today for that reason you know and I think that those regular meetings are the kind of meetings where where we talk about conditions that are happening that can be fixed without going to collective bargaining and now we've jumped into something that's bigger than than a discussion uh, bigger than um, and just because there was something else that opened it up, well, then we use that. That was used as an excuse, I think, 
to open it up and, and to do something different than what was even asked for by three of the bargaining groups. So I'm, I'm real concerned about this setting a, a number of different precedents and directions. Mr. Pearson. Thank you, Mayor. Ms. Gregory, if, if the council were not to pass this amendment, there would be 5% merit, merit raises on anniversary dates, and the, the, there would be a salary uh, savings of $1.4 million. And we have that savings because the process during budget time is to say, well, we just budget for entire year knowing, in fact, that there are anniversary dates and we won't be paying out all that money. Is there a way for us to get closer to what the true amount of our salary obligation is? For instance, could we have estimated a little bit closer so that there, even before this discussion, that there wouldn't have been a $1.4 million uh, one-time savings at the end of the, of the year? It's kind of like paying too much on your taxes so that you can get something back at the end of the year. Um, could we, in future budget years, get a little closer so that the that extra money can be used throughout the year for projects? Councilmember Pearson, um, I, I think um, kind of the way we look at it is that uh, there's a lot of reasons. It, there's a lot of reasons why we would or would not budget for the full year of salaries. And in the past, when we've had different financial conditions that we were under, or we've had different MOU structures. Um, we may have looked at that slightly differently. We do look at every group and we do try to identify by group how many people would be eligible for a merit adjustment. Um, you know, and, and the 1.4 million, just, just for this council's understanding, is that it's generally an estimate. I mean, that's not an exact, and you're right. We certainly could go back and try to really fine tune the numbers. There's a lot of pieces that go in that, including the other benefits that are associated, costs associated with, with the salary adjustment includes a retirement, a slight retirement adjustment. Social Security, all of those types of things. So it's somewhat lumped together, and we could make that more finite, absolutely. And in the future, we can look at trying to be much more um, finite um, with those with the, that specific detail. I, I think that's Im important because through, you know, the budget hearings are, are, in my mind, the single most important thing we do on a yearly basis. And we're always struggling to find more money for, for different uh, services, one of them being streets. Uh, I know uh, I'm always constituents are always asking when is my street going to be repaired and and then I go to the staff and they say well on a scale of one to ten or whatever the scale is it's not quite there ready ready to be repaired and and, and yet if we my thought is if we if we were better at at estimating this we would at least have a million dollars more to a lot towards services for our residents as opposed to saving uh, uh, seeing that savings at the end of the year for the council to say next year we'll spend it on something. So if there's a way to do that, I certainly would appreciate it, and I'm sure uh, taxpayers would as well. Thank you. Mr. Leone. <clears throat> Thank you, Mayor. Yes, I think we've been talking long enough on this, but I just want to say something. And Dave Pearson is, is concerned about seniority. I am also concerned about seniority. I want to negotiate a contract unless we have seniority in there. But Dave, you know, we've been friends a long time, but if you want money for streets, I know where we can get $18 million. <laughs> 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 we, 
But anyway, I, uh, I support this increase uh, the 1st of July. Uh, a lot of our workers didn't have a raise increase for about three years. Uh, so if we were to give it to on the anniversary, some of those people who started in May will have to wait till next May to get the money. Is that correct? So that'd be like almost four years. So yes, I yes. do support uh, everybody across the board for July 1st, uh, their increase. Thank you. Thank you. Other questions or comments? I, I, then I'm going to like to make a comment. Like, like most businesses, I think the city's most valuable asset is its employees. Our relationship with our employees has been excellent to date. They, during the downturn in the economy, you can call it downturn, it sort of died. But during, that, during those dark days financially, they stepped up, the unions all stepped up, and so did the non-represented employees to help us. Now, it, the, the point that, that was raised earlier was ask me, had a no raise first year, 2.5% the second year, 2.5% the third year. We asked, asked me to roll the other 2.5% over to make it a 5%, just as it was with police and fire, and they agreed to do that. That's a demonstration of good relationships with your unions. Now, I, think it's, I don't think, given the fact that they haven't had a raise since Hitler was a corporal, these people, are, are to move it up a little bit is not a bad thing to do. It is, a, it is for us to show that we honestly believe that we really have faith in our employees, that they are indeed our most valuable asset. And I think you can judge us by the vote we cast. With that, this is 18C, amended a memorandum of understanding, American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, AFSCME, United Phoenix Firefighters Association, PFFA, and Peoria Police Officers Association, <coughs> PPOA. Could I have a motion? So move. Moved by Mr. Rioni, seconded by Ms. Carlett. Please vote. Clerk will record your vote. It is approved. Uh, one no vote is Mr. Pearson. Next is the regular agenda, new business, 19R, confirmation, city manager appointment of fire chief. Thank you, Mayor Barrett. Um, the next two items are council confirmation of uh, two of the important leaders within uh, the city staff. Um, and I'm very pleased uh, to present them to you this evening for your confirmation. Uh, and what I'll do is uh, give a little bit about the process uh, that we went through on each of the recruitments and selection, uh, and then a little bit about each of the individuals. Uh, I'll begin uh, with the fire chief um, recruitment and selection. Um, the city conducted an open recruitment utilizing the executive recruiting services of Bob Murray and Associates, resulting in a candidate pool of 54 applicants. The candidates were screened by the city executive team as well as Mr. Murray's team, and the top four finalists were advanced for consideration. The finalists endured an extensive day and a half interview process beginning on May 10th. Uh, this included a city tour, meetings with uh, the executive boards of the Peoria Firefighters Association and the American uh, Federation of State and County and Municipal Employees, and meetings with uh, fire department staff and the directors of the city. The formal interviews focused on technical expertise, labor management, budget, leadership, uh, and uh, character, and the uh, interview panels were comprised of the following individuals. Susan Thorpe, Deputy City Manager, Roy Minter, Police Chief, Stacey Irvine, Interim Fire Chief, Rick Picard, Deputy Fire Chief, 
Andy Granger, Engineering Director, Bill Mattingly, Public Works and Utilities Director, Katie Gregory, Interim uh, Management and Budget Director, Claudia Lujan, Interim Human Resources Director, Mary Camelli, Assistant Fire Chief from the City of Mesa, uh, and Bob Murray, the, the recruiter, and of course myself. Uh, the process concluded with the candidate community forum held in the Pine Conference Room May 10th. Through this comprehensive process, it was determined that the top candidate for this position uh, was Bobby Reese. Bobby has 37 years of firefighting and fire administration experience. From 1974 to 1988, he rose from the ranks of firefighter to division chief within the City of Phoenix Fire Department. Uh, from 1988 to 2007, he led several functional areas within the Phoenix Fire Department as deputy fire chief. Most recently, Mr. Reese was assistant fire chief for the City of Phoenix. He brings extensive experience in all facets of fire operations and emergency medical operations. He has been very successful in the area of community relations and partnering with community groups throughout his career. He has a master's degree in educational leadership from Northern Arizona University, bachelor's degree in organizational management from University of Phoenix, and Mr. Reese has been an associate professor at Arizona State University for 13 years. Chief Reese will begin uh, his service to the city of Peoria on Monday, July 9th, and I'm delighted to introduce Chief Reese to the council. Thank you very much. I'll call on you in just a moment. Hold, hold that thought. Not yet, Chief. Not just yet. a minute. <laughs> I, I embarrass people after they're confirmed, not before. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is 19R, confirmation city manager appointment of fire chief. Questions or comments? Mr. Rivero. Thank you, Mayor. I want to start by thanking our city manager um, for making the uh, recruitment process more transparent. It's something that I, I push for, and um, I think it, it makes uh, the process a lot better. We had an opportunity to learn about uh, Chief uh, Reese's background, what he's going to do in the city of Peoria, and uh, what he plans to do in the future. So it makes it much easier for me to support his nomination after learning about his extensive uh, qualifications. So I'll be supporting uh, Chief uh, Reese's uh, nomination to be fire chief. Thank you. Mr. Hanks? Yeah, I'd like to uh, second that. Those forums are uh, very beneficial to me. I come to them. I get to hear all the candidates. I get to know a lot of detail that uh, would have maybe taken years to learn. And uh, so I, I think it's excellent that, that we have those. And it does bring an additional element of transparency to the process. Other questions or comments? Could I have a motion? Second. So moved. Moved by Mr. Rivero, seconded by Mr. Ames. This is 19R confirmation, city manager appointment of fire chief. Please vote. The clerk will record the vote. Thank you. It is unanimous. Now, it's your turn. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and distinguished council members. I thank you for the, the vote of support. I think you, you've uh, heard extensively my background. I've, I've also led... Uh, Arizona, the Arizona Task Force uh, One uh, Urban Search and Rescue Team uh, for FEMA in about just every disaster that, that we've had in this country, including 9-11. And although that is who I am professionally 
it does not define me personally. I'd like to introduce to you what does define me personally, and that is my family, starting with my wife at, at the core of my soul, Dr. Terry Leva Reese, my oldest daughter, Heather, my younger daughter, Gabby, the one that looks like me, and my youngest daughter, uh, Sophia, that acts like me. <laughs> Again. I thank you for your time and your support. I look forward to working for all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Chief, and welcome thank to Peoria. Next up is 20R, Confirmation City Manager Appointment of Human Resources Director. Uh, and the second uh, important appointment and up before you for confirmation is our Human Resources Director. Uh, the city conducted an open recruitment, recruitment, excuse me, utilizing executive recruiting services of the Novak Consulting Group for this important recruitment. Uh, the search resulted in a candidate pool of 124 applicants for the position. The candidates were screened by the Novak Group and the city's executive team with the top five finalists advancing for consideration. The finalists endured an extensive day and a half of interviews beginning on May 30th. Uh, this process included meetings with the executive boards of the Peoria Firefighters Association, the American Federations of State and County Municipal Employees, the Peoria Police Officers Association, um, and uh, the uh, COPS Association was invited but were not able to attend. Um, additionally, the candidates met with the department staff from the Human Resources Department um, and all of the directors of the city as well. Formal interviews were focused on management, leadership, uh, technical application, understanding of uh, the law related to human resources, and the character of the applicants. The interview panels were comprised of the following individuals. Cynthia Odom, the Deputy City Attorney, Stacy Irvine, Interim Fire Chief, Roy Minter, Police Chief, Wanda Nelson, City Clerk, Brent Mattingly, Finance Director, Jeff Tyne, Interim Community Services Director, Maher Hazine, Deputy Director of Public Works and Utilities, Susan DeLuden, Deputy City Manager, Susan Thorpe, Deputy City Manager, Claudia Lujan, Interim Human Resources Director, Rogine Hill, Deputy City Manager from the City of Avondale, and Catherine Tuck Parrish, uh, the Executive Recruiter from the Novak Firm. The process concluded with Candidate and Community Forum on the evening of May 30th. Through this comprehensive process, it was determined that the top candidate for this position was Julie Ayers. Julie has been in the role of county administrator for Yavapai County uh, since 2007. From 2002 to 2007, she was director of human resources and risk management for Yavapai County. She was responsible for a workforce of more than 1,600 employees in multiple locations across the county. Prior to that, she held several progressively responsible uh, human resources positions, including director for a major hospitality firm. She brings extensive experience in all technical and legal aspects of human resource management. She also has, is highly knowledgeable in all facets of city government and is a strong proponent of customer service uh, in municipal operations. She holds a 
bachelor's degree from Arizona State University in business administration and management uh, with an emphasis on human resources and is a candidate for a master's uh, degree in public administration from Grand Canyon University. She holds several certifications in public management, one from Arizona State University Bob Ramsey program uh, for executive education. Um, and in the program for senior executives in state and local government at Harvard University and the Kennedy School of Government. Uh, Julie will begin work as Human Resources Director Monday, July 23rd. Thank you very much. This is 20R, Confirmation City Manager Appointment of Human Resources Director. Questions or comments? Seeing none, could I have a motion? So I'm move, second. Moved by Ms. Rivero, seconded by the Vice Mayor. This is 20R, Confirmation. City Manager, appointment of Human Resources Director. Please vote. Clerk will record the vote. It is unanimous. Thank you very much. It's your turn. <laughs> you, you can start by telling us how you, that, that list of people on the interview panel sounded like the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Mayor, Council, it was uh, it was quite the experience, but I truly enjoyed coming down and and by going through that process, really got to um, not only meet a lot of great people here at the city of Peoria, but really get a feel for the community and the environment. And so, it is my true honor to join the city of Peoria. You have a fabulous reputation um, for treating your employees well, and and I'm very excited to come and join your community. So thank you for your support. Thank you very much, and welcome. Thank you. Next item up is 21R, Contract, Ames Construction Incorporated, Lake Pleasant Parkway, West Wing Parkway, to State Route 303L, which is Loop 303. Mayor, members of the council, I'd like to introduce Chris Cometti, our senior civil engineer from our engineering department that uh, will make this presentation. Uh, thank you, Mayor and Council. My name is Chris Cometti. I'm gonna be serving as the project manager. Uh, the Agenda item is the approval of the contract for design and construction of Lake Pleasant Parkway from West Wing to SR 303, the 303 loop. Sorry. Um, in order to procure this contract, the city of Peoria did a design build contract method. Um, the selected contractor uh, designer team was Ames Construction and Ritok Powell and Associates. Uh, the best value selection process is based on three areas, uh, qualifications, technical merit, and price. Um, I'm proud to announce that the winning team of uh, Ames Ritok Powell won all three of those categories. So the proposal uh, recommendation is to award a contract for the design and professional services as well as the construction contract. The totals are listed. The Lake Pleasant Parkway is a complete project. It is not only a street, but it is also a, a improvement of our sewer facilities, extension of our sewer facilities and street, um, uh, pardon me, sewer and water facilities, as well as sidewalks. Um, we're undergrounding overhead power lines. We've got a signal at West Wing Parkway. We've also got uh, been working with the utilities, so future utilities will be able to be accommodated as development happens storm drain facilities, and an enhanced landscaping. The project justification is for multiple reasons. Uh, number one, the geometrics of the road do not don't meet current criteria standards. Uh, the pavement was actually built, we, we don't have records showing how long ago it was built. 
Um, but we, it was native to the ground. They literally paved on top of the ground and we've been maintaining it as such for many years. Um, the pavement is beyond its life cycle. It needs to be replaced. Uh, as well as the right-of-way when we acquired the, the rights for the roadway did not exist for the project. So we've, we've been in process of, of uh, making as a legal road <laughs> for the residents. Um, as some additional project details, um, we have the existing roadway dip. As I said, it was paved really on native. We're gonna be taking that dip out uh, that exists right now just north of West Wing Parkway. And it was identified in our trails master plan that a trail would be useful there. So we'll, as we raise the road, improve the geometrics, we'll be providing a, a trail underpass for residents and drainage. So it'll be a dual use facility um, that was a part of our design build procurement uh, method. So the primary trail will be there as well as very good aesthetics will be there. And we have two representative graphics of what those aesthetics will look like. This, uh, this next slide shows you a before and after graphic simulation looking at the project of what it is before and what it is will be once we are completed with the project. Um, it's got a much more uh, linear look to it and it, it, you can't see the, the big dip in there is taken out, but it, it's taken out. The project schedule, we are right on, we are right on schedule. Um, pleased to say that on, right on schedule, we completed all the right-of-way acquisition in June, as well as the final design uh, will, with the approval of this contract, will go forward starting in July, go through November. Uh, we are going, planning on having a public meeting for pre-construction in this schedule for this fall. Once we get on board, we'll schedule that meeting. We'll obtain all necessary permits and then start construction early of 2013, and we're hoping it's under a year and the closeout will be in the spring of 2014. And with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Questions, Mr. Rivero. Thank you, Mayor. Can you go to the first slide of the presentation? Um, so I just have one question on that. Um, what were the options as far as the contract goes? This is a design uh, build contract. What were, what were the options and why did you decide to go down the design build method? The design build procurement method has, there's um, a low bid option and there's a design build option. There are, it's a, it's a discussion of risk. Um, the project actually has a pretty good risk in it and the risk that we actually had was maintaining the existing traffic while building the existing road and the sewer that in that area, the existing sewer sleeve we have a sleeve underneath the 303. So as you drive on Lake Pleasant Parkway over the 303, in order to maintain facilities north of the 303, we, we installed with ADOT under a previous contract, a sleeve underneath it. Our public works and utilities department requested that we not have a pump station which has a large capital cost and an ongoing maintenance cost. So we wanted to maintain the gravity sewer feed through the area. So we're installing a sewer nearly 30 feet deep and maintaining the traffic and those types of things was one of those areas that we wanted to ask the contractor, how would you build this road, maintain those, and we established this list of criteria that we asked the design build teams, how would you follow through with these? We asked a series of questions based on qualifications, technical merit, and price that we recommend the Ames Retock Powell team. And lastly, uh, what is the history of uh, Ames construction? What did you find out about them? 
the biggest project we have history with Ames Construction was they were the contractor that successfully completed our Happy Valley Road project. Uh, that project won many awards for us and they also actually happened to build for ADOT the 303 through Lake, Ple through Lake Pleasant Parkway area. So they were very familiar with both the city and the existing conditions in the area. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Carlett. Thank you. I, I was going to make a comment also about Ames Construction. I mean, I happen to know that the work that they have done in the northern part of the city and, and was very happy to see that they were going to be working on this project also because I know it's been a really successful relationship for a long time. And um, you have been in charge of all of those successful relationships, and I would like to thank you for that, and, and I'm sure that we're going to have another great success here. So I appreciate that. Great team put it all together. And uh, I'd, I'd also like to say that the timing on this couldn't be better. You know, now that the 303 is complete, with, with getting this segment of um, highway, if you will, uh, up to the 303, it's going to give us another opportunity for economic development in that area. So it's just one more tool in the, the economic tool bag, if you will. So uh, in addition to getting a much safer road, uh, we will have good contractor, good project manager, and uh, more economic development opportunities. So uh, congratulations. I'm really excited to start this project. Thank you. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Ms. Evans? Uh, in, in keeping with the safer road, I, I would like for the police chief to be out there with some people for the next few months until that dip is gone because now everybody's going to want a, one last belly gusher. So uh, thank you for getting rid of that. Thank you. Any questions or comments? Seeing none, this is 21R, contract, Ames Construction Incorporated, Lake Pleasant Parkway, West Wing Parkway to State Route 303. Uh, could I have a motion? So moved. Second. Moved by Ms. Carlett, seconded by the Vice Mayor. Please vote. The clerk will record your vote. It is unanimous. Thank you very much. Next is 22, our agreement, economic development, Maxwell Technologies. Great. Thank you for that. Um, as you may recall, last summer, the city participated in a competition uh, that ended up being a multi-state competition um, for the location of Maxwell Technologies' expansion out of the San Diego, California area. Last fall, Maxwell Technology announced that Peoria was going to be its new location for its expansion um, into, uh, into Arizona. Uh, Maxwell Technologies is a global leader in developing, manufacturing, and marketing energy storage and power delivery solutions uh, for automotive uses, uh, heavy transportation such as rail and bus, renewable energy, industrial and consumer electronics, as well as systems for satellites and spacecraft. Uh, Maxwell will operate in the Arrowhead 101 uh, Industrial Park off the 101 freeway. Uh, in exchange for providing the $1.5 million in post-performance assistance, Maxwell will create 150 quality jobs over three years, uh, providing an average salary of the jobs created of $48,000 a year, expand its manufacturing operations uh, in Peoria uh, by absorbing 120,000 square feet of uh, existing vacant space that's been vacant since 2007, uh, incorporate its engineering as well as research and development facilities in the site uh, by 2014 and invest $26 million uh, in capital investment. The uh, agreement that is before you tonight uh, is structured as post-performance, meaning that no assistance funds uh, will be paid to Maxwell until the jobs are created and verification of such creation is provided to the city. 
Should any job created under this agreement be eliminated by Maxwell during the seven-year term of the agreement, the city will, will be repaid its investment for the job provided. Um, so with that, I'd be happy to try to answer any questions you might have uh, pertaining to the uh, economic development agreement. Thank you very much. Questions or comments? Seeing none, could I have a motion? This is 22R, Agreement Economic Development, Maxwell Technologies. Second. Moved by Ms. Carlett, seconded by the Vice Mayor. Please vote. The clerk will record your vote. It is unanimous. Thanks very much. Next is 23R, Exclusive Negotiating Agreement, Trine University. Thank you. Uh, Trine University is a university that we have been uh, in discussions with uh, regarding them establishing a branch campus in the city of Peoria. Trine University is one that has a very strong engineering program, both in uh, civil engineering, mechanical engineering, biomedical engineering, uh, and is, is very much uh, a STEM program that is important to the city in terms of workforce development. Um, Trine University has 35 majors, uh, and it's one of the fastest growing private universities in the state of Indiana, where its uh, main campus is. They've ex experienced a 68% increase in enrollment, um, as well as uh, the establishment of five new branch campuses um, over the past 24 months in Indiana, as well as Michigan. Um, under our economic development implementation strategy, uh, university attraction uh, needs that were identified, uh, identified strong STEM programs such as engineering, partnerships in technology commercialization, partnerships in business workforce development, uh, certainly partnerships in growing entrepreneurship in the city. Uh, the exclusive negotiating agreement uh, before you uh, allows both parties to go forward and identify the nature in which uh, they may be able to bring a branch campus to Peoria. So with that, I'll be happy to try to answer any questions you might have. Thank you. Questions or comments? Yeah. Seeing none, oops, I'm sorry, Mr. Ames. Yeah, so you're just going to move toward a, a possible agreement and it's exclusive. They're not going to deal with anyone else and we're not going to deal with anyone else at the location they're looking at or locations. Correct. Is that this correct? Is a, yes. Okay, and later we will learn if there's an agreement and uh, you will discuss that with us. Exactly. Okay, thank you. Other questions or comments? This is 23R, Exclusive Negotiating Agreement with Trine University. Could I have a motion? So moved. Second. Moved by the Vice Mayor, seconded by Ms. Evans. Please vote. Clerk will record the vote. Thank you, it is unanimous. 24R, Vistanzia Commercial Core Targeted Industry Attraction Strategy. Thank you. Uh, the Vistanzia Commercial Core is an important economic development asset in the Loop 303 corridor. In order to perfect our understanding of the near-term development potential of the commercial core relative to the targeted industries that we seek to attract, we feel that a very aggressive uh, strategy needs to be recommended. This strategy seeks to answer several questions, such as will the targeted industries identified in the economic development implementation strategy uh, actually locate in the commercial core? If yes, when and what will need to be done, such as infrastructure extensions, to attract those industries? Targeted industries identified include advanced business services, corporate headquarters or centers of excellence, uh, high-tech clean manufacturing, healthcare, and higher education. The objectives of the strategy are to introduce the commercial core as a destination for targeted industry location, focusing on California, identify and reach out to select companies that are looking to expand or leave their current markets, increase the commercial core's visibility among site selector groups and commercial real estate uh, professionals, 
better understanding of the strengths and weaknesses of the commercial core and put measures in place to address any of those weaknesses. Um, and certainly to have an aggressive promotion of the commercial core to our targeted industries. This is all about how do we take it to the next level to truly understand what are the build to suit opportunities for those targeted industries in the next 18 to 24 months and what will it take to actually attract them and to get our image out, to get our offering out so that we are very much on their radar screen as they look to exit their current markets or expand into different markets. So that is really what this strategy is all about. It's one that we're looking to implement this summer, uh, assuming council approval. And uh, we've actually engaged a site selection firm to come up with our own lead generations so that we can focus on the commercial core as well as other green, uh, uh, greenfield new build opportunities such as the Rovi Industrial Park as well. So we can create our own leads and, and really, hit the mar really hit the market hard in terms of trying to attract those industries. So with that, I'll be happy to try to answer any questions you might have. Thank you very much. Questions or comments? Yes, I just have one comment. Uh, I just wanted to say that, that we're making huge progress in the area of economic development, and this is a fine example of that. We are, we are taking the bull by the horns and deciding that we are going to create our own future and create our own opportunities and create the environment where um, developers and universities and corporate headquarters and so forth are going to take a look at Peoria and want to come to Peoria. In the past, we have been, I'm sorry to say, invisible. We have not been a big player. We have not been someplace that uh, when people look at the entire Valley of the Sun, they automatically think of Peoria. And so this is, a, this is a great way for us to be able to say, we are here, we have a lot to offer, look at us, um, and be in control of our own future. So thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Mr. Ames? Yeah, didn't uh, one of the state legislators uh, say we're the jewel out here? <laughs> okay, good. Mr. Pearson. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Mr. White, in your documentation, you said we're focusing on California. Tell me, what is it about California that makes them ripe for the picking? Well, California certainly uh, is not a very business-friendly environment. Um, California continues to experience substantial budget woes. Um, but beyond that, we, we really believe, uh, and also in discussions with GPEC, who's been a partner, the Arizona Commerce Authority, who's been a partner, we believe that there's an emerging market that is trending out of California um, for the build-a-suit market for the types of industries we're seeking. Um, and so we think that's fertile ground for us. Uh, we're actually looking to make a presence in California. We're looking to take our message and our, um, our program into the California market uh, collaborating with uh, Arizona Commerce Authority who is going to be securing space in California they've made available to us as well as many of the construction companies that we have relationships with in the valley that have offices in California are going to make their space available to us um, so we're going we're going to go to where they are and and we're going to bring our message to them um, as compelling as the commercial core is so that we get in front of them before they enter the market thank you Mr. Ames Yes, and you're doing a face-to-face -face strategy, a real sales strategy. You're going to be there. You're going to talk to these companies. It's not going to be some brochure they get through the mail. So I think this is very smart, and uh, you're, you're going where the companies are that are going to find us attractive. Yep, absolutely. It's not going to be a brochure campaign. It's going to be face-to-face, -face, and that's why we, we went forward with uh, uh, procuring a uh, lead-generating firm. Right. 
And I appreciate that you're doing that. Thank you. Other questions or comments? This is 24R, Vistanzia Commercial Core Targeted Industry Attraction Strategy. Could I have a motion? So moved. moved. Second. Moved by Ms. Carlett, seconded by the Vice Mayor. Please vote. The clerk will record the vote. It is unanimous. Thank you very much. Next is 25R, Revisions, Neighborhood Traffic Management Program, Goals, Objectives, and Policies. Mayor, members of the council, item 25R is gonna be uh, presented by our city traffic engineer, Jamal Rahimi. Um, this uh, item was presented to the uh, Public Safety Subcommittee about two months ago, and uh, now we're presenting those proposed policy changes to the formal council. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Uh, every so often, staff brings certain revisions to the NTMP policy before the council for its review and consideration. The reason behind it is that these changes are recommended in order to improve the program efficiency and also align us with the practices nationwide. Uh, this slide uh, shows a very brief overview of the program budget and expenditures. As you can see, within the past seven years, uh, we started at around $150,000 with a budget for this NTMP. And uh, the demand was going up. So in 07, we requested a supplemental in the amount of 200,000 in order to catch up with the demand and the waiting list. As you see, the expenditures were higher, but we had the 200,000 extra, so we were able to catch up. And since 09 and beyond, it seems like demand is going down, so has our budget for the program. But at this point, we are at a 50,000 level. The requests are still coming in, uh, but they are not getting qualified as much. But we are still installing humps and some other measures. So it is still a healthy, relatively healthy and solid program, but it's not as demanding as it used to be. Currently, there are four issues that the staff has identified in the program that we wanted to bring before you. One is that we don't have any lower threshold for volumes on the streets. So if a street qualifies based on speeds, they qualify for humps, even if there are only 10 cars on the street. Uh, in the current policy, we ask for a minimum of 10 signatures to qualify for a study. 10 households usually equal 100 trips per day. So we are going to present a lower threshold, as you will see on the next slide. Another issue is that on the streets that we install these humps or cushions or tables, uh, we have done a couple of them on streets without curb and gutter. That has posed an issue in terms of drainage and people going around it, creating dust and basically defeating the purpose of the program. And another issue is that these humps and tables currently are installed on the streets regardless of the grade of the street. Nationwide, there is a high threshold on, on that, and that is 6%. The reason behind it is if people are going fast on the steep grades, they can actually lose control. For safety purposes, we would like to align ourselves with the national policy of 6% maximum grade. And the last issue, given the economic hardship, we run into a situation where there's a high percentage of rental or foreclosures 
and it's really difficult for a coordinator in the neighborhood to gather the minimum required signatures. So in order to address these issues, staff is proposing using a min minimum volume of 100 vehicles uh, per day on the streets in addition to the speed criteria in, in order to qualify the street for the program. And only install the humps and tables on the streets that have curb and gutter. Uh, avoid installation of humps and tables on streets with a grade of over 6%. And also, if there is a high percentage of rentals, such as 30% or so, or if there's a high percentage of foreclosures, that we would help actually the neighborhood by sending out certified mail and helping them getting the minimum required signatures. And in case of vacant properties, we can just forego those and not count them in the process of calculating minimum requirements. Just trying to expedite the process and giving the neighborhood a little helping hand. That basically concludes Thank my you. Mr. Ames? Um, yes, you're, talk, you're talking about not doing speed uh, humps in certain places that don't have the curb and gutter. You will look at other common uh, approaches to traffic difficulties on the streets, other than speed humps. That we would try, yes, we would try to look at other options. But so this doesn't exclude that. Ms. Carla? Sorry, it talks about the, the background summary. It says the goals of the neighborhood traffic management program. Number nine says implement residential street design standards for local and collector streets for the development of subdivisions that discourage excessive speeding and cut through traffic in neighborhoods. Can you tell me what those design standards are and if we've made progress along those lines. I know that the ultimate goal, I hope the ultimate goal is to work our way out of the NTMP program altogether. Some uh, criteria were incorporated into the design review guidelines, such as the length of a street with no curves in it. And just to give you an example, when we were reviewing the Meadows development, uh, we introduced roundabouts instead of four-way stops or no stops. We introduced rugby balls in the middle of the street that act like it, you know, slowing down instead of putting humps, which are kind of overkill if you haven't even created the neighborhood, humps seem out of place. We, so we try to incorporate some design features such as that to slow down traffic a little more naturally than retrofitting with some de vertical deflection later. Okay, so that, I'm really, really glad to hear that. And so that is a, a policy then, it's a, it's a design standard that we actually have written somewhere in some text amendment. Councilmember Carlot, it is part of our design review principles that we updated in 2008. Okay, good, very glad to hear that, thank you. Mr. Leone? Yeah, Jamal, you know, you and I have gone round and round and we have met, you know, I'm still not satisfied. You've gone down to 70% signatures, only people that live there. And now, is there any way that we can get the renters, if we can't get a hold of the owners, to, to sign that petition? Well, currently, the policy calls for owners. And obviously, we want 
to let the renters know also. If the council wishes to change that policy, definitely it's their prerogative. But that's the way it's written right now, so we need to abide by the policy. So if you only get about, say, 40% of the owners and 60% of the renters, but they do need speed, speed humps, I mean, what do we do? We wait till somebody gets killed? That's why we recommended the fourth revision, which is if there is a high percentage of rental property, we actually send certified mail. Give them two weeks. If you don't hear, we count it as yes. Is there any way that we can get speed humps in there? Uh, when you go down and, 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 and look the place over the street and you put this wire across there, and you say, and you send a letter, and I get a copy letter that it doesn't qualify. When I talk to those people, they tell me that you don't know what you're talking about because there's cars speeding down every day and kids playing in the street. So I'm just trying to figure a way out. Can we get speed humps in there without, you know, maybe the city attorney can tell us. Is he awake? Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry, Council Member. I mean, without... Getting signatures or anything? Is there any way that we can get speed humps in there? Council member, this is a council policy. That is, uh, if you wanted to change the policy to not require signatures, you certainly could do that. Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, this is a policy that you set. There's no legal requirement whether you have uh, uh, petition signatures or not. It's really what, how you want to direct your staff in accordance. Uh, this is a policy you set. Um, if I might um, add on to that, Councilmember Leone, um, Jamal or Andy, when this was before the Council Subcommittee, was this element uh, that Mr. Leone is bringing up now discussed and is that at all part of the recommendation? Yes, Carl, uh, Mayor, members of the Council, this, the, the item number four that we are proposing to you today, I, we, we think will help address some of the issues that you've had in the past, Councilmember Leone, where if you have a lot of rental properties within a neighborhood and we send these certified letters, what we, what we think will happen is either the people will be interested, the owners will be interested that have renters in those houses and either respond back no or yes. And if they don't respond back at all, it will, we will consider it a yes. And any foreclosed properties, we're not going to count that towards that percentage of 70%. So we think that addresses those, those issues in those neighborhoods with high rental properties. And what if you can't get a hold of the owners? Well, we're going to send certified letters to the owners through the Maricopa County records. Um, so we're going to send a certified letter to them, and that's going to be their notification. If they don't send a response back, that's going to be considered a yes for those, those owners with rental properties. I know I've got one street right now, and I think you know who it is. And uh, I was just concerned that she wants to speed humps, and the people on the street want to speed humps. But I don't believe that they're all owners, most of them are renters. I'm not mistaken. Yes, Councilmember, I think what happened in the past without this policy, we didn't have this um, ish item that we could fall back onto that says basically they're going to be considered a yes if they don't respond back. And that's why you, the, they weren't meeting that 70% requirement in the past, where we think with this new policy amendment, they will meet that requirement. Okay, thank you. Mr. Ames. Uh, yes, I think it will make a big difference. I know a lot of right-of-way improvements that... Uh, I, I, the city has done at uh, my request or some of my district funds 
and we had to get letters from the homeowners. Well, we sent the letter, and, if, and they, we gave them a certain amount of time to respond. If they didn't respond, we took that as a yes, and that was a big change. We were able to, you know, virtually get uh, everyone to agree, including the ones who never responded. And, and they don't respond for a lot of different reasons, not that they may... They, they usually are favorable if you got a hold of them and talk talk to them, and I did that in some cases before we went to this other uh, uh, approach. And and so I think, Carlo, I think you'll find that uh, this will work better, and you don't even have to ask the renters then, right? If either the owner agrees or doesn't say anything, and that's an agreement. Okay, good. Thank you. Those questions or comments? Okay, this is 25R, Revisions, Neighborhood Traffic Management Program. Goals, objectives, and policies. Could I have a motion? So moved. Second. Moved by Mr. Rivero, seconded by Mr. Ames. Please vote. Clerk will record the vote. It is unanimous. Thank you very much. 26R, fiscal year 2013 property tax levy. Thank you, Mayor and Council. Here again um, tonight, final step for you in your fiscal year 2013 um, budget adoption. This is the property tax adoption, and tonight we're asking Council to um, adopt a resolution and, or and ordinance for both the primary and secondary tax levy for fiscal year 13. Um, again, we have a primary and secondary tax. Our tax calculation is based on taking our tax rate times our city's valuation um, to identify what our tax levy would be for fiscal year 13. Currently, the city um, has a primary tax rate of 19 cents per $100 assessed and a secondary tax rate of $1.25 for a total of $1.44 per $100 of assessed valuation. That uh, tax rate has been um, the tax rate we've had in place since 2009. Um, and it does, uh, it, it's about 13% of a um, resident's tax bill is what the city of Peoria portion um, is. Included in here to show you um, generally where we are from a comparative um, standpoint with some of our other uh, cities in the valley. Um, you've probably heard um, there are a number of cities that have made um, changes to their tax rate going into their fiscal year 13 budget. This is reflective of those either proposed or already adopted um, tax rates. And as you can see, we still are in sort of that lower tier of tax rates across our comparable cities. The Tax levy um, for fiscal year 13 is estimated to be $16,376,000. That is about $2 million less than what the uh, levy was last year. And tonight, again, as I mentioned, that this uh, is just the formal adoption of the tax, tax, the primary and secondary tax rate levy um, for fiscal year 13, and that would conclude your budget process for fiscal year 13. Can I answer any questions? Questions? Um, for the viewing public, I, I get questions when I'm out. I know there is a two-year lag time between the appraisal and what they pay in their tax. Is that correct? Um, I would say that uh, historically, when we were growing quickly, there was traditionally, and a lot of people who moved into Peoria into new homes were getting that two-year lag on the assessed valuation. I think it's a little less. I think the county assessor is able to be a little bit more... Um, regular on their um, um, assessed valuations, and I, I, I don't, I, I'm not um, certain, but I think that that uh, two-year window has actually reduced slightly, closer okay. to 18 months. One, one of the concerns that they have is as their property values go down, their tax 
don't go down as quickly as what their valuation does. And so it looks to me when I look at our numbers for this year and the amount we go down, this is probably the catch-up year. Would that, as far as we went from, what, if you put that slide back on. Sure. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh, 12, our total uh, levy was 18 million and 13 is 16 million, so we're down almost 2 million. And can you explain why that is, that it's down that amount? Um, the reason it is down by that amount is that we are not adjusting our tax rate. So as the assessed valuation of homes goes down, which right. it has been doing for the last three years, we've been seeing that continual um, reduction each year. That means we will generate less revenue from uh -huh. prop property taxes on an annual basis. So this is reflective of what we estimate that reduction will be in actual revenues received to the city based on that reduction in, ass in assessed valuation. Right, and I think that answers the question that many of the citizens end up asking me is, is you know, that it is gradually going to be reflected and they're going to see that and the fact is that we have not raised our rates in the last, what, 10, can you put that back up? Yeah, that was really sure. cool. Um, since 04 at least, we have not raised and in fact we've lowered it, so that's exciting. Thank you. Yeah, Mr. Ames. Yeah, I don't know, um, Councilman Evans, if you were just talking about the property, uh, Peoria property tax, but what do you say ours is 14 percent? Um, 14 percent of, of the total tax bill. The city of Peoria receives approximately 13 percent of the total tax bill. 13 percent. So the uh, taxes from other entities such as the school or special districts, the, those percentages may be going up. And so people will can see a rise in in their taxes. Yes, as a matter of fact, yeah. from from the amount that goes to Peoria, that's actually dropping because the values are, are dropping as well, and we've kept, we've kept the same rate. That's a good point. Yeah. Other questions or comments? Okay, this is 26R fiscal year 2013 property tax levy. Could I have a motion? Moved by Ms. Carlett, seconded by uh, Ms. Evans. Please vote. Clerk will record your vote. It is unanimous. Thank you very much. 27R, fiscal year 2013, streetlight and maintenance improvement district levies. Thank you, Mayor and Council. I'll also take this one. Um, I think I have a slide here. The fiscal year 13 streetlight um, and maintenance improvement district levies. There we go. Um, as council may be aware, um, a streetlight improvement district is, pr is basically a levy um, that the city uh, th uses to recover the cost of residential streetlights. Uh, this year we have 199 SLIDs uh, in the city. That is inclusive of four new SLIDs that we've um, added in fiscal year 13. They are added based upon where they are in their development phase, so once they reach a 25% development status within individual subdivisions, then they become part of the um, SLID levy. We also have what are called maintenance improvement districts. These are levies to recover the cost of retention basin or common area maintenance. Currently, the city has 11 MIDs. We, are not, we did not add any uh, MIDs in fiscal year 13. 
um, but these are primarily based upon um, the requirement of the city to take over maintenance of retention basins and common areas in subdivisions where traditionally HOAs may have taken care of it, but for whatever reason those HOAs have, have gone defunct or um, there is no ability for the subdivision to do it, this is our way to recover the costs associated with, with having to um, take over the maintenance of that. Thank you. Questions or comments? Seeing none, this is 27R, fiscal year 2013, street light and maintenance improvement district levies. Could I have a motion? So moved. Moved by Mr. Ames, seconded by uh, Ms. Carlett. Please vote. Clerk will record the vote. It is unanimous. Thank you very much. Next is the call to the public. Uh, I have to apologize. I, I had a request, a speaker request form for 18C, and I got lost in my pile of paper here. If Dan Pollard is still here and wants to speak. No? Okay, thanks. Sorry about that. I apologize. Hmm? Oh. Okay, next is uh, reports from the city manager. Thank you, Mayor Barrett. Just uh, two brief presentations uh, this evening, and the first is from Scott White on the Peoria Development Services Online Portal. Scott? Great, thank you for that. Um, this is uh, just an informational piece. Uh, when the city transitioned into a web-based permitting system called the CELA, it gave us the promise of being able to provide uh, online permitting information 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, so we're happy to announce that uh, after much work with a city working group that comprised information technology, economic development services, the fire department, the planning department, engineering department, we now have the um, citizen access portion of the Acela permitting system now available. So what that means is that users can now view information uh, on building, engineering, fire, and planning related permits online, as well as schedule inspections. Um, so that's uh, kind of the first phase uh, that we've now rolled out uh, that we hope will be of value to our citizens and our development uh, clients. Um, now we're gonna be turning our attention to other future enhancements, um, such as uh, obtaining certain types of permits online, um, as well as viewing financial information on permits online. And, um, and we're also going to be discussing the possibility of providing electronic plan submittal, uh, which I know our development clients would be very happy with. Um, so it's an ongoing program, but uh, we've at least been able to roll out the uh, um, online access portion uh, of our Acela permitting system. So with that, I'll be happy to try to answer any questions you might have. And this, of course, is part of our ongoing commitment to, to continually improve our service delivery um, in the area of permitting and um, inspections. Questions, Mr. Ames? Yeah, I know some cities like Phoenix have gone to, you come up to the desk and they turn, uh, give you a permit uh, kind of like immediately or in mm -hmm. 10, 15 minutes. Are we looking at that also? Absolutely. We are also, as, as part of the next tranche, if you will, of, of improvements, we're looking at over-the-counter permits. What would be an appropriate type of permit that we could do over-the-counter given exi existing staffing? Um, and um, you know, what, what kind of uh, um, uh, plan reviews might we also be able to do over the counter? So we'll be looking at all of that. Uh, in fact, um, one of the organizations I belong to is um, uh, Valley Partnership, and uh, it's comprised of a number of, of private sector uh, development clients, engineers, contractors, GCs, all that stuff. And so I've, I've asked them, the private sector clients, to give us a top five list of things they would find of value and helpful that we then can look at and see how we can implement uh, those things coming straight from the private sector. That way we're adding value immediately to what they see as helpful. 
Uh, so we'll be looking at all that stuff. Any questions or comments? Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Um, on a night that uh, you were recognizing uh, so many legislators that were helpful to us in this last legislative session, we thought it would be a good evening for uh, John Shell to give an overview of this past legislative session uh, from his perspective as our key uh, contact with the state legislature uh, in uh, all that they do. I see uh, it's late, <laughs> so I'll make it short. Thank you. Where is our... Uh, I haven't used this before, so I'll try to make this work. Okay, for the record, I'm John Shell, your Intergovernmental Affairs Director. So um, there's a lot of bills that we touched in this last uh, legislative session and uh, had some influence on one way or the other. I'll try to focus on the ones that were a little bit more important for Peoria and ones where we focused a little bit more effort than normal. This was uh, not a very long session. By the way, sessions have gone a little bit longer than last year. Normally it's supposed to be a 100-day session, only 116 days. Um, the uh, number of bills that uh, were posted this past session, a little bit more than normal, almost 1,400. You can see that only 362 of them, though, were signed into law, and that's pretty much average. You only see about a third of the bills ever introduced ever get signed into law, so it's a very low average. Very difficult to pass a bill. Municipal impacts. I'm going to look at the state budget. Um, there were several things that came up, and, and as budgets go for uh, local governments, this was a very good budget. It had very little adverse impact on cities and towns. One of the things that stood out is the Department of Water Resources uh, fix. Uh, as you remember, in last year's budget, there was a, uh, an assessment on local government to pay for the operations of uh, the Arizona Department of Water Services, and uh, that was eliminated in this year's budget. It was about $7 million, and so that was no longer an impact to us, and we were passing that on to our ratepayers, and we no longer have to do that as a result of the budget. Uh, HERF restoration, um, there was about $26.5 million in last year's budget that was diverted uh, out of cities and towns HERF to, um, uh, to uh, Motor Vehicles Division. That was eliminated in this year's budget. So. We didn't have to cope with that impact. There still was some diversion, though, of HERF to help pay for public safety, which, of course, uh, we expected. Uh, 911, that was actually good news. Every year it's been a struggle. There was zero um, uh, money put in for the, uh, actually, it was swept. Uh, the 911 fund was swept as a portion of your phone bill that goes into a fund that helps pay for the 911 service as well as maintenance of the system. Well, in this year's budget, $1.8 million was, was, was put into the fund so that cities and towns can benefit from that. Okay, um, I'm going to get on to state share revenue in just a second. Another feature of this budget was, though, that there were no impacts to uh, state shared revenues, which was a good thing, and so we appreciated that very much. However, there was a bill that surfaced, um, or at least an amendment to this bill, uh, towards the end of session, which um, uh, SB 1442, this was a bill that was introduced by the city of Chandler that was designed to help uh, keep Intel in Chandler. They needed some major infrastructure improvements. They came up with a system that actually was one that the league supported, we supported. It was actually a good thing. The very last day of session, in a conference committee, this bill was sent there. It was barely hanging on. And, uh, and how it worked was is that it, it basically deals with the, the mechanism to pay for this was the recapture of of the, um, of the um, uh, transportation privilege tax that was generated at the site where the infrastructure improvements were being constructed. This went to committee, and instead of that being 100% uh, 
uh, 80% would be derived that way, but then the 20% the, the left, a city or town that met all the criteria like in Intel, could then turn around and, and, uh, and get a credit from the state out of cities and towns state shared revenues. So this was quite a surprise to everybody. And I, I think it was to the city of Chandler too at the time. But uh, in any event, uh, this does bring with it an impact. This did end up passing. This was part of a, uh, of a deal that involved other bills. Uh, the total impact to municipalities is $2.5 million. It doesn't go into effect though until 2014. Um, the mayor, is, uh, he's, 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 he's holding back a smile here because he was part of a conversation that he led at the League Executive Committee on this bill where the cities were very unhappy with the way this played out. And uh, uh, we were um, told though by the city of Chandler that they were gonna try to fix this particular piece of legislation in the next session. So we will work to try to hold them to that so that we don't see this impact. You can see the impacts in some of the other cities. It's fairly substantial. The city of Peoria would be $76,000. It's not a huge sum relative to our budget, but that's still important money that we could use for other purposes. Okay, other bills of interest, uh, briefly, 2543. This is the electronic billboard sign. This was, a very, this was kind of a fun bill to work on, actually, during the, during the session. And uh, this has to do with a court case that came out that disallowed the use of these along the freeway system. And uh, we, I was in a meeting with uh, Scott White and the city manager and some other people who said that we had some deals that we might be able to utilize uh, uh, electronic billboards for or at least the revenue derived from them for certain projects. This bill, uh, now that it has passed, will allow us to do that. So if there's any kind of an economic development deal that, 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 that um, where we could benefit from those revenues that's brought to council and the council wants to move forward with that, we can now do that. This bill uh, was passed with an emergency clause, so it's, it's, uh, there's nothing standing in the way of us doing that if it's uh, of benefit to the city. 2729, well, this was another interesting one. This was a copy of last year's bill, um, which uh, would have been very costly to us. This bill passed through uh, pretty swiftly through the legislative process on strictly party lines reached the governor's desk, she did veto it, and it's actually, that's good for us. Uh, when I, I asked Bill Mattingly for our estimates to comply with this, I think it was about $400,000 just for the installation costs of uh, x-ray machines and so forth around the campus, and plus about a million three, I think it was, for the um, ongoing costs associated with complying with this. But since it was vetoed, we don't have to comply with it, so this was actually a good thing for us. 2815, Employment Incentives Regulatory Tax Credit. Well, this is a fun one. I know Steve Kemp spent a lot of time on this one, too. Um, this was basically the jobs bill for the legislature this, this year again. And uh, this bill uh, essentially would expand job training programs and uh, also reduce taxation on, on the um, uh, net capital gains. And there's a, a structure for doing that over a period of years. That part has been fine with the league, been fine with the cities. It's just that there was a provision in there that dealt with excessive regulation. So for example, if an adult store wanted to locate somewhere within the city that wasn't appropriate, they could turn back to the city and ask for a credit uh, for what they estimated their loss would be by us not allowing them to do that. That's just one example. But there are many examples, yet this bill continued to steam through the legislature. I think it was about the time it got to the Senate where we realized it also had some potential impacts on military facilities if it were to go, in, go into effect. And so once we started talking to members about that, they became fairly concerned and they should have. And so eventually that provision came out of this bill. This would have been very pernicious to us in cities and towns throughout the state. 
And so uh, fortunately it passed without the, uh, the regulatory tax credit provision in it. Uh, briefly, another one uh, that was introduced by uh, Rep, uh, now Senator Nelson uh, on military preservation. This is his uh, perennial land swap bill. You see this coming out every year, and it gets to the, or almost every year, uh, it's gone to the ballot, what, six times now, Steve, something like that? Yes. And, and uh, so um, this one may be the charm, but um, there's two pieces of this. There's statutory changes in order to be able to do this, and this would allow state lands to do land swaps with either for federal land, state land, or local government land, and this is specifically tar targeted towards military facilities, and this allows, this would allow state lands to take sensitive areas um, out of, uh, you know, in areas where there are flight operations so that it doesn't impact the base. Very important tool to have in the toolbox, and so the bill passed, the SCR was the ballot referral piece that's required because there's a constitutional element involved. And the difference this time, usually when these go to the ballot, they're so complicated, very few people understand them so they don't pass. Uh, it's, there's a little bit of a risk here with this one too. However, there is money behind this one. Some of the conservation groups have stepped up this year that actually worked with uh, Senator Nelson on this bill and are providing money in the six-figure range to help with public education. So there's actually a chance that this might have a good result this year. Okay, the retirement uh, uh, legislation, uh, as you probably recall in the year past, uh, the employer-employee contribution rates were changed, 47%. It was lowered for public employers to 47%, an increase for employees to 53%. Uh, that was ruled unconstitutional just recently, so this bill was put in place to help fix that and restore the 50-50 split. Um, the uh, SB 1239 plan community zoning requirements, this was also another uh, interesting piece of legislation. This would have prohibited municipalities from um, requiring HOAs in, in, in subdivisions for, uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the maintenance of community-owned property. And it was something that is a very common thing with, with uh, cities and towns throughout the state. Steve has uh, talked at length about this to certain members. We, actually worked with the bill sponsor on this, this bill. The league was very perplexed by this. Ultimately, by working with the home builders and others, we were able to get this sideline for this year and we'll come up with another approach. But this, another piece of legislation that uh, actually worked out well for us. Uh, lastly, just going to Peoria legislation, revenue allocation districts. This is our big uh, uh, bill that we uh, introduced. Uh, this is our second year. And uh, we actually had just a terrific run with this. Unfortunately, in the end, it w was vetoed. And uh, I won't spend time tonight on, 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 on the reasons behind the veto, but I think ultimately they can, they can probably be, be addressed. But uh, just to refresh your memory, uh, this works on the issuance of revenue bonds for um, uh, providing for infrastructure for public-private partnerships. And, um, uh, and the bonds are paid back through uh, capturing the increment in both property and sales tax in specified areas. We constructed this in a way that it was accepted by the anti-tax groups, particularly ATRA. We even had their, their tacit support on this. And uh, ultimately, uh, we had a great result uh, despite the veto. You can see a list of these organizations. We have some of the biggest economic development organizations in the state, chambers, cities and towns, business groups that supported this. It's really been a very good um, exercise for us to uh, highlight what uh, Peoria is about and what we can do at the Capitol. And, and uh, so uh, we did do something that no one else has ever done before. No one else has ever been able to get a bill like this through the legislature, and we did that. And, uh, you know, two-thirds of the legislature voted for this, including some of the people that were up here. 
who never have voted for something like this in the past. So, you know, we had a, some real positives to take away from it, and, you know, we'll address this in the next session if we feel we can satisfy the governor's uh, uh, issues with this, and some of which are legit, you know, I mean, I feel that they are legitimate concerns. I just feel like we, we could use a little time to uh, explain why it's constructed the way it is. And I have to give a lot of credit to Steve Camp on this. This is an incredibly complex piece of legislation that he drafted. And uh, I can't tell you the number of meetings we've been in and the number of staff people we've talked to and business groups and uh, members and everything. And uh, it's, it was well worth the effort despite the outcome. Uh, lastly, uh, we, we, we had a terrific result with another piece of legislation that came through uh, uh, Vice Mayor Ames' office. Uh, he had a constituent that had a very tragic situation happen a couple years ago. And uh, this is an issue that involves uh, fatalities that arise out of hit and run accidents. And, uh, it came to our attention through this situation that the laws were very antiquated and needed to be updated, so we did that. Again, another very complex piece of legislation because it requires changing many different parts of the statutes in order that they all conform and work well together. And uh, so, uh, you know, this, this worked out very well. Senator Murphy uh, was our, our bill sponsor on this. And, uh, and, and again, we had a lot of help from some of the people that were here uh, tonight in this room. I do expect us to have a little bit more discussion on this, uh, if possibly through the Governor's Office of Highway Safety, we might be doing some public relations type work on this particular issue that we passed through. So there'll be, there'll be more on that in a future session. Uh, and with that, I thank you for your attention and uh, be happy to take any questions. Questions or comments? I, I, have, a, I have a comment. Um, the happy news in the last couple of weeks is that the F-35 is coming to Luke Air Force Base. Luke Air Force Base has been declared the preferred location for the training wing, which will save Luke Air Force Base and the economic engine that it's there. That's a happy story. It's got a happy ending, but it started in 2007. At that point in time, Mr. Shell and Mr. Kemp picked up the, the fight what was happening was the county was issuing building permits within the, uh, just off the runways. The threatened closure for Ox 1 would have certainly closed Luke Air Force Base. Luke Air Force Base is going to get to 35 because of the actions of Mr. Shell and Mr. Kemp. They, they got everybody organized. They went and got uh, Terry Goddard, who was then Attorney General, involved with it, and he filed the suit. He filed the suit with a lot of work from Mr. Kemp. And we won the suit. There's a lot of people up there claiming victory when the suit was settled. But the people who did the work were our staff. And I want to thank both of you for that. Thanks, Mayor. And thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Mayor. That's all I have this evening. Okay. Uh, next is reports from the City Council. Mr. Leone. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, <clears throat> Last week we had a neighborhood meeting, and uh, this is just a short brief on what was going on. Uh, uh, we had this construction work going on down, down there in Country Meadows, and Chris Hawkins was there uh, to speak on uh, use permits. So it was a very good meeting, and uh, I think everybody went home happy. Hopefully they did, unless I get some emails in the next week or two. The other thing is we went to uh, a groundbreaking, and I'm sure Tony might like to talk about it. Uh, Pioneer Park, it's on kind of Olive and uh, 83rd, and it's 80 acres, and it's a big park, and uh, Kurt Haynes did a great job on it, uh, informing us 
what was going on there. And it's going to be about three soccer fields and a softball team and many other things. So just want to say that uh, it's looking good. If you come down to Olive and 83rd, <clears throat> you're going to see traffic all piled up and jammed up because uh, they get one way in and one way out. So I think it's important that uh, <clears throat> you pay attention to all those signs and hopefully we'll get that done in about what? Six months? Okay, he'll, he'll answer that for you. And the other thing I want to mention to uh, Andy, one is that Scotland Yard is going to be ready in August still. Sure. Yes, council member, they, they started construction last week and they will be done in August. Thank you. God bless every one of you and God bless America. Thank you, Ms. Carlin. Thank you. Um, first of all, I wanted to again welcome our uh, new human resources director, Julie Ayers, and our new fire chief, Bobby Ruiz. Uh, great additions to the city. Welcome. Uh, also, I just wanted to, to reiterate tonight that the City Council um, voted on several items that will further our goals of economic development in the City of Peoria. Uh, we approved construction contract to expand, expand Lake Pleasant Parkway to Loop 303, creating future opportunities for employment along that corridor. We executed an agreement with Maxwell Technologies, and they are estimating job creation of um, 150 jobs within the next three years. And that's, that's just great for the city of Peoria. And they are going to be um, committing to an overall capital investment of over $26 million. That was quite a coup. I wish Scott White was still sitting here because um, he is responsible for much of this. Uh, we also voted to enter into an exclusive negotiating agreement with nationally recognized Trine University for development of a branch campus in the city of Peoria. And we also approved the Vistancia Commercial Core strategy to guide business attraction activities for the 500 acre commercial core along the 303 there. So those are some substantial um, developments that we have made and a commitment to bringing jobs to the city of Peoria to increase the quality of life for our citizens. So uh, we're doing things to create the opportunities that are gonna create a, a great life for the future. And uh, one more thing, uh, I just wanted to thank all of the people who showed up at the uh, Sonoran Preservation Program meeting where we could sit and discuss ways to preserve and conserve our um, desert lands. Many people showed up and I really appreciate all of the opinions that you gave, all of the um, voices on the various um, aspects of how you view our open lands. It's really important that we were not gonna put together a good program without the input of our citizens. So thank you, all of you who showed up and we look forward to hearing from you as um, that program continues on. So, thanks. Thank you, Mr. Rivero. Thank you, Mayor. I just want to add some comments uh, in regards to community park number two. Uh, we had a good grand, groundbreaking ceremony uh, past, uh, this past Thursday. We had citizens, uh, a lot of staff, and I want to thank the staff who have been involved in uh, keeping me informed and making sure that this project uh, starts on time. And I'm looking forward to the celebration sometime in November of 2013. So I want to thank our, our engineering staff led by Andy Granger, uh, Deputy City Manager, uh, Mrs. Daldung, and our City Manager, Carl Swenson, for uh, making this project a priority. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Pearson. 
Thank you, Mayor. I just wanted to point out to our residents uh, and audience members that we're having a special study session tomorrow. Some really important topics among them, uh, the trail lighting policy. For those of you who are enthusiasts of the uh, the trail, the wonderful trail we have in the, in the, in the city, uh, we're going to be talking about the trail lighting policy tomorrow. So please, please join us online, on TV, or in person. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Heaven. Um, want to first of all thank our two new uh, employees that are uh, right up there at the top department heads. Thank you for coming to our city. Uh, you will not be sorry that you are here in our city. Uh, we are delighted to have you. Uh, the other, Kathy, pretty much lined out the economic development things and what an excitement that is that we're really moving forward with these goals that we have set probably five or six years ago that we really kind of hit at this. This is what we need. This is what we want. And currently jobs in Peoria, we have 90% um, of the people in Peoria go outside of the city to work. And we are soon, I want to be able to say, numbers that are better than that. And we are adding jobs. And that's exciting, very exciting. Um, and then finally, a big thank you to John Schell for what he does down at the Capitol, um, hours and hours and late at night and early in the morning and all in between to make sure that our city is well represented. Uh, not an easy job, not a job that many of us could do, uh, but it does make a difference. And I really appreciate that we had those, the leaders that were here uh, not that we always agree with them or they agree with us, but that they're um, in our toolbox for us to try and work with and to uh, talk with them about the things that are important to cities and to help them understand that cities aren't the same as state. We're pretty unique. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mr. Ames. Yeah, speaking of John Shell, he is up late. He's called me several times at uh, midnight when we were dealing with Joey's Law. That's a uh, hit and run and making the, the punishment for that more severe, which was excellent. And we worked well with the legislature on that. And uh, I think we will want to continue as, as John. And I was very pleased that he brought them here because we want a good working relationship. And I want to talk a little bit, too, about economic development and the thing uh, that uh, we're doing, and it's partly uh, uh, council policy, but we've got an excellent economic development director, Scott White, is implementing it. We're doing it in a kind of matrix way. We're looking at a number of things that come together. We've got the incubator. We identified certain technologies and medical devices. Uh, we work with GPEC. Uh, we, we look at where the best... Uh, businesses are that we can uh, bring to uh, bring to Peoria and now we're looking at a, kind of a direct sales approach these are all excellent kinds of things and we are seeing a, a payoff and I think that's excellent and uh, hopefully the economy is starting to turn around I, I can say one thing we don't have in our matrix is Europe so uh, that's probably a good thing but <laughs> No, there, there's a place for that too, probably at some point, and we are looking at uh, international companies as, as well. And uh, I think this is going to be great for Peoria. I don't know, is it still 90% work uh, leave? Okay, it's, uh, I thought it maybe was 80, 88 or something, but there's a, but we, you know, it it should be down to like uh, you know maybe 
maybe 40% actually work here. Uh, and we move toward that. It makes us a more viable community. Uh, and we're doing well in terms of amenities. The new regional park we're opening up, and I was there and in the dirt, and I went home and my dog smelled that, and he got real excited. So, I mean, there's going to be a nice dog park there too as well. So, a lot of good things happening uh, in Peoria, and uh, and uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that and uh, serve the residents uh, that that I do, so we can all and and they work well with me too, and we can all make this happen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just one, one comment. Down the street from here is the Peoria Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, the management group that, that operates it on behalf of the city is called Theater Works. Uh, this last Friday, there was a, a, um, a remembrance for Bob Root. Bob Root is one of the guiding lights of Theater Works. He's been involved in it since its beginning. He has passed on, and he's going to be sorely missed. Thank you. We are adjourned.